0: Motorist Insurance Group and Brick Street Insurance have come together to create a better one-stop shop for agents and policyholders, encircling you with coverage at every step in life's journey. We are now in Cova Insurance.
1: This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions,
0: and updates across the world of wrestling. Once again to the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast, I am Rich Craig alongside, as always, the King of Banter himself, Mr. Joe Lanza Joe. What are you doing for Christmas? Um This is our Christmas special, by the way. Uh you're you're at my house. We're at well, we met where, where was the place that we met Cody Rhodes? Um Somewhere I, The barbecue joint that we met him at. Um where the hell oh was the town? Oh the there?
1: Hogstop Barbecue in Council, Bluffs, yeah, Iowa? Yeah. I don't know if Cody specifically referred to the Hog Stop Barbecue in Count of Bluffs, <laughs> Iowa. That, I kind of added that little wrinkle because, i tell you, Rich.
0: Oh, because we met halfway. Right, right, right.
1: I've got three bucket list wrestling venues I want to get to. I hate the term bucket list. It's kind of... But but everyone knows... But it you're it. getting to
0: that age, though, where you need to start kind of figuring it out, yeah, though, y- right? Yeah, you
1: are a son of a bitch, let me tell you. But, uh... <laughs> I just hate that term, but everyone knows what it means. It's just it's so uh it's so corny, bucket list, right? I, I hate saying that, but I've three venues I need to see. One of them is Cork and Hall. One is Arena Mexico, but I've got to be escorted um by Rob Viper and his and his Mexican connections so,
0: <laughs> Will you accept Cubs fan or it has to be Oh Rob no, Viper.
1: Cubs fan too. I mean, okay, they right. they generally will go together, but they they have like guides that go with them. Because from what I understand, if you drift like down the wrong block from arena Mexico, you know, you're really, you're literally putting your life in your hands. So I'm scared to go to Arena. I'm not yet. You know, let me put it this way. I'm not driving to arena Mexico by myself. That's not happening. But if I can plan a trip around our lucha pals, I, I am going to get to that building at some point. Cork and Hall's the other one. And venue number three is the hog stop barbecue in council bluffs, Iowa, because our good friend hype. Gotti, of course is a, uh, is a, uh, independent professional wrestler uh, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the hotbed, the wrestling hotbed of Nebraska, yes. of, the, of eastern Nebraska and western Iowa. Uh, and he frequently participates in wrestling contests at, uh, at the Hogstop Barbecue in Council Bluffs, Iowa. I would love to uh, take in a match with the...
0: I'm looking at it now. Where do, where do they fit the ring? I don't, it doesn't look like it could fit a ring in there.
1: Uh, listen, if I can get
0: grimy midwestern indie wrestling
1: and a nice, decent barbecue meal all in one stop
0: I'm, limb, I <laughs> I'm got looking at a picture I'm looking at a picture of this place I don't know how they put wrestling venues in here. I, I have no clue are, we, are you sure they take place there or does like the post show at? no okay I no they got like a concert you, here and stuff no you're not you you okay wrestling
1: yeah. events have taken place at the hog stop barbecue in council bluffs Iowa and I'll tell you it would be a great place for us to meet because as you as as noted it's kind of right in between you know
0: I mean, I, I'm looking right now. If I left right now to meet you there, um, you know, of course we're we're, we're, we're not together. I lied to our our listeners. We're on the Skype, but let's see if we if I wanted to right now. If we want to say delay this and record tomorrow, um, I will be there in. Let's see, it's gonna.
1: I'll do this gimmick too
0: because you're twelve hours. You're twelve. Oh, I'm six hours. Okay, that's fine. I can do that. You're twelve. I'm six.
1: Okay, you know it,
0: that's not great, what, but
1: <laughs> I'll what's do What's awesome is if you type Hog Stop Barbecue. Into your GPS, it, it it must be the only one in the country because it comes right up <laughs> South Twenty Fourth Street, Council Bluffs, Iowa. Not Payola, by the way. They're not paying us for this, but they're getting
0: a, they can though if they would like. They're getting a tremendous People plug here. Gladly accept uh, money from that. They're they
1: Getting a play. tremendous plug on 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 what I believe is the uh, most listened to uh, pro wrestling podcast on Earth.
0: Um, I feel, I feel like we can fairly, uh, easily say that that is a fact. So yeah, I, if someone
1: ahead. would like to dispute it, they can, let's see. Um, <laughs> how, Oh wait, you already GPS this, uh, hog stop for me.
0: Yeah. You're, you're 12 hours. I'm six and a half.
1: Oh, that's not fair. We got a bit.
0: No, uh, well you're pretty screwed. I, you live in the middle of nowhere. we we'd have to go to like Topeka Would Topeka, Kansas be Wichita. I don't know You're way. I mean, I've like... been to Wichita. Okay.
1: Wichita is not a, a happening town, Rich. I'll tell you. What about
0: Derby? What about Derby, Kansas? I,
1: I went to Wichita, Kansas on business one time, and um, we—I uh, was—I—I I, we, I think we flew in on a Wednesday, and I woke up on Thursday morning, getting ready for my, you know, my big business meetings in the conference room at the Holiday Inn, Rich. And uh, <laughs> I was—I uh, woke up, I stretched my arms. I think I was on the fourth or fifth floor at a hotel. I look outside. I'm in downtown Wichita. Uh, you know, right in the middle of the action, I look at the stoplight and there's like two cars at the stoplight, you know, on the Thursday morning at at, at, at 730 in the morning. It is just not a happening town. And uh, for all the uh, the locals that were there at this uh, business conference, apparently the only thing to do in Wichita, Kansas, for entertainment purposes, is uh, is a strip club. They I, I got more offers to go to strip clubs when I was in Wichita, Kansas. <laughs>
0: It's like downtown too.
1: downtown or like, you know, the conferences, the the conferences would break up and I'd have these, you know, these salary men loosening up their ties saying, come on, Lanza, we're going to the strip club. And this went on for the entire weekend. It was just this. I don't remember the name of the establishment. No more free plugs today, Rich. I
0: don't remember. They got to pay.
1: I don't remember the name of the place anyway. But apparently in Wichita, Kansas, there's this amazing strip club. Now, I'm not a strip club guy. You would think that Joe Lanza would be a strip club guy. They're the worst. They're terrible. I hate. I cannot stand strip clubs. Well,
0: I, you want you want the action like that. That's why I don't get the strip club thing.
1: I am not aroused by strippers, and and it, it's not that they could be the hottest strippers on earth. It doesn't feel real to me. It's it's got to feel much like my pro wrestling, Rich. It's got to feel real to me. You know what I'm saying? Like I know the strippers putting on a performance. A stripper doesn't dig Joel.
0: It's Jack, uh, a little Jack Gallagher for you. you know. They're doing all the fancy pants stuff, and you just want – you know.
1: Yeah, it, 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 it comes off
0: – You want a real woman. You want a real woman. You want a real wrestler. You want a real woman. I, I Listen, it.
1: these strippers aren't digging JL. Okay, They're digging – they want my money. I'm not into that. That doesn't arouse me. You know. That's why JL could never be a prostitute guy. I, I don't think I could perform for a prostitute. I really don't think I could because I, I, I need to know that the woman – is into me, Rich? I can't have it. That, that if if it feels fake, you know, my gimmick isn't going to work because I I need I need it to feel. We're doing third hour in the first hour here, by the way.
0: Yeah, this I, is this is uh, well, it's our Christmas special, so we can do whatever the hell we want. That's right. So.
1: I I need to feel the authentic attract. They need I need to feel that they're authentically attracted to JL and want. And that they want the authentic jail action, not that they just want some money. That's a turnoff to me. The money thing is the turnoff. You see what I'm saying, Rich? I got you. So it doesn't matter how hot the strippers are. I can't do it. A prostitute, like the idea of purchasing a prostitute to me, I, 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 it's, it's totally unappealing. Uh, You know. So yeah, look, I know there's some prostitute guys out there. I know there's some stripper guys. I'm not a prostitute guy, and I'm not a stripper guy. I don't know, man. I don't know where you stand. I'm a-
0: I just thought not nah, I I'm, I'm, I'm pretty down are on you both. a
1: Are you a <laughs> prostitute guy, Rich?
0: Yeah, believe it or not, shockingly, yes, uh, Joe. I'm a frequent prostitute guy. No, like I don't get the stripper thing either because I used to go like when I first turned 18. My buddies wanted to go all the time or whatever. And like I went like twice, and then I was kind of like I don't really get the point, man. It's just like I don't want to be like – I don't want someone grinding on me and then just like leaving. You know what I mean? Like what, what, what appeal is that? Like I can just do that at home. You know, like, I don't need to, like, get aroused and then not have a woman, you know, do anything. Like, I, that that's my entire life. Like, that's me, you know, on an everyday period of my, my days. I, mean, I don't need to pay money to be aroused by someone and then not get, you know. That's,
1: that's, thir- that's Thursday at your house, basically.
0: Right, that's every day of my life. I don't need to pay somebody to do that to me. Like, uh, this is going to be a wild show. Um, we don't, I mean, we don't really have much to talk about. We're going to talk about Roadblock End of the Line. Uh, we're talking about Final Gate, and then we basically have a lot of questions from you, the listeners, which are going to be a whole lot of fun uh, to tackle. We're we're kind of calling it our Christmas special. I don't know, we don't do anything like fun and goofy. We don't like call of our all of our friends or whatever. We could. I mean, I, I see them on my Skype list right now. I could definitely. Rich, call has, the, Rich, people, but... Rich
1: has the soundboard ready for all kinds.
0: <laughs> I mean, if we want to get Christmas, zany, uh... here. we don't really do the zany thing, but we just kind of fuck around like more than usual, as you can tell by the the, the first twenty minutes or so. Uh, the, well, show those, the were, ten minutes those were or so, stalled
1: but. tactics, my friend. I mean, we've got nothing here.
0: Uh, we got really do not. Time. I mean, they're really, to be fair, there's not a whole lot in the world of wrestling. Like, you got Roadblock, which happened Sunday. Um, then you got, you know, the Final Gate, which we are going to preview. We're going to talk about Final Gate. But it's too early to talk Wrestle Kingdom, and nobody's really in the... You know what I mean? Like, next week is our big Wrestle Kingdom show. Next week's when we really want to drive into that. And also, I've been working on the ebook. I know you've been working on it as well, the New Japan ebook that we're coming out with. And it's really cut into a lot of, like... You know, I, I haven't watched Big Japan, I haven't watched a lot of the, you know what I mean? Like, I I haven't been able to dive into that too much, but there's not really a whole lot going on otherwise. I mean, I, I read The Observer yesterday, and it was just kind of like, yeah, here's a bunch of, you know, nothing big in there. So, there's really not anything going on this week, and that's why we usually just mess around this week. Because there's really nothing to talk to, and we don't really feel like getting into deep, deep stuff. And people always say that they love this episode because they're driving and they laugh or whatever. So, you know, we we do that service to you, the people, so...
1: Yeah, this is a real service to the people. This show. <laughs>
0: I don't know why people listen to this. People do, though, every week. I don't get it. Like, it it's, it's humbling. Now we have like the clips, um, which, which Chris, by the way, on our forums does a, a, an amazing job. If you haven't checked this thread out, go to voicewrestling.com slash forums right now. Go to the VOW podcast, and you'll see VOW, VOW clips. It's a thread. This man has gone through years of our archives to find the best clips of us. And has uploaded them.
1: I would argue the worst. What a
0: maniac. What a maniac. I would
1: argue the worst <laughs> clips, but.
0: Uh, Our show is so stupid when you listen to those clips. Like, why does anybody listen to this?
1: I listen. Anybody. This is a fantastic radio program. I don't know what I don't get
0: why anybody listens to this at all. This
1: is this is fantastic radio. And I have to correct you because I'll never forget this because we had this this snarky listener correct us once. Rich, you're not humbled by the amount of people that listen to this show. You are flattered. By the number of people that this show. Is that true? Because yeah, if right. you were humbled, it would mean that it the show had far less listeners than you thought. People, okay, people that makes sense. misuse yeah. humbled and flattered. Like a lot of times when people say they're humbled, what they really mean to say is that they're flattered. But we but we all misuse and I'll never forget that, and it was because of some snarky douchebag on twitter who corrected me one time but i appreciate that snarky douchebag because i thought about it and i was like you know what this guy's right everyone misuses it's actually you're flattered what are we doing here can we talk about i have no idea
0: roadblock end of the line we're going to talk some wrestling here we got plenty of questions as i said uh but let's start out with roadblock end of the line which happens sunday joe uh what were your thoughts on the show overall um we'll do that we'll do uh final gate and then we'll get to the the questions which are all over the place and a lot of fun um, as well. So we should have some fun with that. But uh, Roblox End of the Line, what did you think of uh, Roblox End of the Line? Well, the end of the line, Roblox the Roblox.
1: end of the line, I thought uh, Roblox End of the Line in a year of um, excellent WWE pay-per-views. And it really was an excellent year for WWE pay-per-views. This was a mixed bag, Rich. I think what you had here was two matches that you really have to go out of your way to see. And one angle that was excellent. And then a bunch of stuff that was skippable and, 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 and doesn't need to be seen at all. And I think the main event of the show, Kevin Owens-Roman Reigns match, um, was sort of a, uh, a dichotomy of the show itself because that match was a mixed bag. It was terrible for the first half of the match, terribly boring, nothing going on, crowd wasn't into it. And then the second half of the match really picked up, and, and Kevin Owens worked his ass off in the second half of this match. And then it had a horrendous finish. Um, so I, I, you know, I guess I could start with that match.
0: Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Let's go with Yeah, her.
1: first half of the match was dreadful. Um, I think part of the problem was the fans didn't have a baby face to rally around. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, Rich, but Roman Reigns is not very popular with the WWE fans, despite... The
0: universe, the WWE universe.
1: Uh, he's pushed as a baby face. Uh, so I think that had a lot to do with it. Um, people don't really like to rally around Roman Reigns. It was a strange dynamic from that standpoint. Um, a lot of crowds will root for Kevin Owens anyway, despite the fact he's a heel. This was not one of those crowds. So the first half of this match was just uh, fans sitting on their hands and not liking either man. And uh, Kevin Owens really, you know, he, he works hard to do his heel stick when he works as a heel, you know, he grinds in that headlock, uh, in an attempt to get heat, which, uh, you know, I, it, it just, it, it, never seems to, it just kills crowds. Um, I, I understand why he's trying that, but it just kills crowds. And then uh, second half of the match though really picked up. Kevin Owens did a lot of crazy physical shit. I thought, um, you know, people are going to take this and me burying Roman again. But I, I, you know, I thought Owens, you know, carried the match. I mean, he was the better wrestler in this match, and um, uh, you know, he, he did the, the descent on through the announce table, and you know, he he really worked hard to get the crowd back into it. And just
0: I love when Owens goes through his tables because they just explode under his weight. I, I love. Owens is one of the better table bumpers of, of all time, I would say. I just love when he goes through tables. Yeah,
1: and, and he really worked hard to try to get the fans back into this. And just as the fans were starting to come around and get into the match, um, you know, then the, 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 the inevitable Chris Jericho run-in, which everyone knew was coming, I think it, that hurt a lot of the heat.
0: 100%. Yeah. And that's, we talk about that all the time. Of, of, and and you got that back in the Attitude Era as well. If you go watch, you know, old Attitude Era, you know, uh, WWE main events or whatever, you'll see the old adage. And, and, and it used to be for WCW Nitro main events too is the crowd would just kind of like one eye on the ring, one eye in the entranceway, one eye in the ring, one eye. Everybody's waiting for that inevitable guy to run down the ring and, and cause issues. And you knew, like WWE main event stuff, a lot of that's been going on, you know, for, for years now with the whole authority figure stuff. And now with this Kevin Owens, Chris Jericho thing. So I think people just don't really want to react to. Get into the match because they know, rightfully so, that you know it doesn't matter until X comes out. And in this case, X was Chris Jericho that came out, so it didn't matter, none of those moves mattered, none of the nothing built up mattered at all until Chris Jericho comes out. And then you go, Okay, now we're in the final stretch of the match. And that's something that's a formula that they've used. Um, and I don't know why they keep because it doesn't work, it just kills uh, a lot of matches for a long time when people know that that that's. All that you have to worry about is until X comes out and nothing matters. And that, that sucks.
1: And to make it worse, Rich, I mean, they teased dissension earlier in the night because they kept doing, you know, backstage segments where Owens and Jericho were, you know, feigning, not getting along or whatever. So when, when Jericho comes – so that tips you off right there that Jericho's coming out and they're going to do the deal, the, the which side is he on sort of deal. And then uh, he attacked Owens instead of Reigns, but of course it was all a ruse uh, to intentionally uh, get Reigns disqualified. So – not a terrible finish, not the finish you – look, basically this was a big – this was a Raw match. This was essentially what they do on a Raw, and it's okay to do that on Raw, to do a show-long angle, teasing dissension, and then have it be a big ruse and have the heels get the face intentionally disqualified. You don't want that on your quote-unquote – do you call these things pay-per-views anymore? Whatever they are, big shows – you don't want that kind of finish on the main event of your big show, uh, you know. They, it's a, it was a raw finish. It was a raw storyline and a raw finish. And if they were knew they were going to do that, then why not flip flop the matches and put Charlotte and Sasha Banks on last? Since you know that's going to be the more dramatic match, you know how these things are going to be booked out before the show starts. So why not switch the match order at that point and do the the, the match with the goofy finish and the goofy angle and and, and the bad finish? Uh, Put that in the semi main event spot instead of the main event spot. And I think there's less kickback and less complaints if the show ends with the, uh, with the more serious, quote unquote, serious match. I, I don't know. I, I feel like, uh, Maybe they should have flip-flopped those two matches because because mm-hmm. the Charlotte Sasha Banks match was an excellent match and I know yeah
0: satisfying true. in that way yeah I I would I always err on the side of of let let the satisfying thing be the lasting memory and I know that like old school wrestling says oh you know you want him to come back you know you want to have the babyface you know get you know that sort of thing you know and and that's an old school kind of adage but I don't know that that really works anymore where you know you're so angry that you can't wait to you know buy the ticket to the next time to see the babyface get his his revenge or whatever but that doesn't like they still book that way but a lot of people don't really they either A don't follow through with that or there's not really baby faces that anybody cares about so that idea that that you know it's really good to end on that you know I I, I based on my point of be I always end on the more satisfying finish the finish that people feel like okay that was cool I will go back now. The next time they're in town, because that was a fun way to finish, and I have a, a lasting memory of that. Versus the "I'm so angry, I'm gonna go back next week and see if the baby face can avenge him." They, people still book that style though, and I don't know that that necessarily works in 2016. You
1: know what was weird because all the post match stuff with the Kevin Owens Roman Reigns match because they had you know Seth Rollins come out and then uh, Rollins and 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 Roman, you know, beat the living shit out of Owens and Jericho. They put Jerich They did the double power bomb to Jericho through the announce table, mm-hmm. then they double power bombed Owens off the stage through like a production, you know, one of those fake production tables that are there just for someone to take a bump that are, you know, next to the uh, entrance, entrance ramp a lot of times. Um, and it was interesting because the way the crowd reacted and the way that the angle came off, it was Chris Zellner on Twitter who first brought it up. He's like, is this a double turn? it really felt like a double turn <laughs> right cuz
0: there's like two dudes just beating up the heels. and, 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 <laughs> and it's, it's like, like and
1: Jericho and Owens are sort of <laughs> over with this list thing and this butt and this buddy cop comedy routine that they do and everyone boos Roman Reigns and it and, the, and, the, and, the, and 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 as vicious as their attack was because of the crowd dynamic and because of how popular Owens and Jericho have gotten doing this comedy thing it it, it, it i wasn't sure either i mean you know, Chris Zellner obviously is a guy who has his finger on the pulse, has been watching wrestling for years, and is a very um, what, what would you say, Rich? He he's got a good feel for things, right? I mean,
0: oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, he's got watches a ton of stuff, knows what's going on. Yeah, no, he, he's 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 the man.
1: And 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 you know, Joe Lands is no slouch himself. I've been watching wrestling for a million years, and I kind of have a good feel. And and he, and I read his tweet, I was like, he might be right. Is this a double turn? I, I, I couldn't figure it out either. I was like, we're not gonna fi- I-, I wanted to see how the announce- you know, because how the announcers react is the key, right? It's it's how they frame things. But they weren't really talking because it was the end of the show. So I was like, we're gonna have to wait for Raw to see if this was a fucking double turn. You know, or-, or go to the website and see how the website, you know, the WWE.com reports on it. Turns out it wasn't a double turn, but that's how poorly W that that, that really exemplifies the poor job this company has done at the top of the raw card. Getting these characters over the way they want to because smart wrestling fans who watch everything weren't sure whether this was a double turn or not. Think about that. That's embarrassing. Yeah.
0: Well, And the other problem, too, is you got Rollins and, and Reigns, and both of them are not very. I mean, you can almost leave Roman Reigns out of it if you want and just talk about Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins is not a very likable guy. I mean, this babyface turn of Seth Rollins basically started with, you know, why, 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 why didn't Triple H pick me thing? Yeah, and it's why like, am I would I, why him. am
1: I not the handpicked guy who was given short Right.
0: Like, him. why would we get behind that? Right. Like, in what way would you be like, yeah, that's right. You're supposed to be the handpicked guy of the guy we all hate, I think. Like, like that, it, it just never worked with him. So, yeah, any, anything with Seth Rollins right now, to me, is really confusing. Because I don't honestly know. The guy comes out and he, he's a whiny little bastard or whatever, and like you're supposed to like him for some reason. And I don't kind of get why. And then Reigns, you know, that, that speaks for itself. So having those two come together, yes, obviously you, you're putting the shield back together, so the idea is, oh, cool, the shield is back together, but it's like, A, that, you know, that happens all the time. It's not really that special. I mean, God, it was like a month or so ago um, that we had that, but uh it, it's just it, yeah, you know, it doesn't work with Rollins and it doesn't work with Reigns, and combining the two is not going to work either, just because they used to be in the shield. Those guys are just not it's very strange.
1: Yeah. So um, the finish was bizarre of the match. The finish of the event was bizarre because fans didn't know how to react to it. Because I think what it is is fans, they really like Owens and Jericho because they're so entertaining. So to watch them take this vicious beatdown, I mean, the fans just weren't reacting to it in the way that, that the company wanted them to. But that's sort of been the story of WWE over really since Roman's Roman Reigns has been a singles wrestler. The fans just don't react to things the way the company wants, but
0: they tell their stories was, and then you crowd be damned. That's it. <laughs> we're doing our tell story their and fucking
1: story. And you're yeah, gonna, you
0: pay like, your it, money, you sit down, and then we're gonna tell you your story, it, it, and you're gonna sit there and watch it. It really so. is
1: bizarre. I mean, years from now, people are gonna look back at this era, and they're gonna be like, "Well, what the, what the fuck was this? This is such." Yeah, who, who was the stubborn old man? Oh, right. Yeah, there was a stubborn old man running things. But uh, so Charlotte Flair and Sasha Banks in the 30, uh, 30 minute Iron Man match. I do not like this stipulation. The only thing worse than the thirty man uh, thirty minute Iron Man match gimmick is the sixty minute Iron Man match gimmick, which I you know at this point. If someone did a sixty-minute Iron Man match gimmick, Rich, I, you know, if, for the sake of the show, I'd have to watch it. But if I was just a a fan, fan, and not a fan who does a podcast, there's no way I'm sitting through a sixty-minute Iron Man. I, I, you know what? I'll show up with twenty minutes left and see everything I need to say.
0: Yeah, and that's regardless of wrestler, right? You you just you just, I just hate oh, the gimmick. God, the to, idea yeah. of a
1: 60-minute match. First of all, everyone knows how I feel about the long match. Anything over 25 minutes, you're really you you're, you're going to struggle to keep my attention, and the wrestlers are going to struggle to tell a cohesive story. But when you throw in the awful Iron Man gimmick, I mean, I just I just I've never enjoyed. Look, Rich, one thing I think has been made clear on this show and and really to me too, something I never realized until I started doing this show. I am not a stipulation guy. I just Oh, I I need a ma- just give me a match, Rich. I don't need bells and whistles. I don't need uh, the Iron Man gimmick. I don't need you know uh, elimination champ. I, I don't need uh, Helen cells. I, don't, I I'm not a big stipulation guy. I rather just watch two people wrestle. And I, I and you know if stipulations were done less often, if they yeah. then I would get into them. But the stipulations, especially in this company, are done so often. That I just to me they take away from the matches and they don't they don't add to them um,
0: but. That's exactly what I was going to say. Not to interrupt, but I'll let you go. But it's just that they've been beaten out of you so much that nothing is, is exciting anymore. I remember the first Hell in a Cell. I was way into that because it was like, all right, cool. That, now you see it all the time. Now, you know, there's whole pay per views devoted <laughs> to, to the Hell in a Cells. The first Elimination Chamber was kind of cool too in that sense. But they just get beaten out of you and they're done so much. And even ladder matches. I grew up as a huge ladder match fan. It used to be my favorite thing in the world. It, it worked for certain characters and it worked for certain storylines. Now you have just all ladder match pay per views and all TLC pay per views and all this sort of stuff. So the idea that they're just they're lost in that sense they're just a lost art and the problem is unfortunately is that when you know indie promotions and other promotions try to do them as well People are burnt out on them a lot, and that sucks. It's not fair for the indie promotions because maybe they're building up to a really good cage match or really good ladder match or whatever. But you've just seen them so many times, and you've seen every spot and you've seen everything that it's just so hard to do it unless you build it up perfectly. And I think, like Ring of Honor, uh, the Ladder Wars, uh, the classic you know, Ladder Wars, the Generico, uh, Briscoe, the uh, Generico Steen Briscoe's ones were, were examples where you, there was nothing else that those guys could do. It they needed something like that, you know, Steen and Generico themselves. Uh, you know, their battle, that that was one that just needed to be that. It had to be this sort of match because it was such a feud that built up to that. You just don't get that in, in WWE anymore. And even this match, which they tried, I, I'll be honest, they tried their best at making this Iron Man match seem like it was necessary, that we've we've went back and forth through so many months now that we need something to to finally settle the score. But I think the problem is that none of these scores ever really get settled finally. And that's another issue with stipulations as well is that, you know that, that they'll be these two will probably be wrestling each other in another year or whatever. If this was literally the last time these two would ever face each other, then you can get a little bit more up about it. If they've had a, a you know something that's built up well to it, there's that. But but you don't get that in WWE anymore. You don't get you know loser leaves town matches. The guy's back in two weeks. You know the retirement matches. The guy's back in two months. Like you know things like that happen all the time. So it's hard to get invested in these stipulations. If they really meant something, maybe you would. But they're just so overdone as well. That it's it's really hard to. To break that too, Because I used to be a guy who really enjoyed stipulations, but more and more, I just kind of want to see a match. And as far as Iron Man matches, then I'll let you uh, talk about the match. Um, the problem that I always have, which a lot of people have with Iron Man matches, is I lose all the intrigue now. And this match was another example of that. And, I, and my friend I was watching it with, and he goes, guess what? What do you think is going to happen? It's going to be a draw, and they're going to go to overtime. And I said, yeah, of course they are. Boom, 2 2 draw, they go to overtime. You know what I mean? Like, you know that's going to happen. You know, it's not like Charlotte's going to go out 8 0 and then just win. You know what I mean? Like, that's not going to happen. Charlotte, uh, you know, Sasha's not going to go up 4 3 and then Charlotte goes on a run of 3 and just destroys her. That's not going to happen. You know exactly what's going to happen with these matches. You know the tropes of them. And it kind of takes a lot of the intrigue out of the early falls out for me because if this was just a 30 minute match and they went back and forth, battling for that one fall, that one chance to win the title, then you're talking. Then it's a little bit more fun. If you know, hey, I got 30 minutes here, and you know, I know they're going to go to a draw, or I know it's going to be close, and you know, Sasha will have her in something in the last second, but Charlotte will prevail, you know that sort of stuff happens. It, it's not going to be, you know, there, why, why would you care about that first fall? Why would you ever care about that first fall that happens in an Ironman match? You don't, because you don't. There's no reason to care. You've seen enough of them. Yeah,
1: it's it's the, the, the stipulation struggles for me um, for some of those reasons you said. Also, I think what happens in an Ironman match is the stipulation gets in the wrestlers heads. And we definitely saw that here. And they don't just wrestle. They don't just go out there and wrestle. Right. They wrestle to the stipulation in terms of, and, and not in a good way and a bad way in a time filling way. And I think we saw that in this match where the first half of this match until Sasha took that incredible bump on the stairs on the outside, um, which was just a a fantastic bump. um, That's when the match turned and really kicked to the next gear. But prior to that, which was really the first the first half of the match, the first 15 or 20 minutes of the match was just these two women blatantly filling time with completely just pointless, uh, you know, mat work and holds that, that didn't feed into the story later on. And it's, it, it's, it's, it's funny, you know, it's like, um, it's sort of like, I think of the Tanahashi-Okada matches and, and some of the criticisms people have of those matches is, you know how Tanahashi, for the first five minutes of a match, one of his things is he'll do some mat work and it never really means anything to the larger story and it's just there as sort of, uh, you know, the feeling out process of the match. And people go insane with the criticism of Tanahashi for those first five minutes of his matches for the mat work. And I'm watching this match thinking, I hope those same people are going to be critical here because this is 15 minutes of just meaningless mat work and grappling that's going absolutely nowhere. And it did go nowhere. And, uh, you know, 15 minutes of it was just a little too much. But it was these two wrestlers just, you know, they had to stip in their head and they, they felt like they had to fill time. This is what I mean about long matches. These long matches, I, I don't think pro wrestling is meant to go this long. I don't think good pro wrestling stories are meant to go. Now, look, this wasn't an hour. This was 35 minutes or whatever it was. And I've seen good 35-minute matches. But it was very clear that these two women did not have ideas for 30 minutes. They had ideas for about 20 minutes. And those 20 minutes were excellent. The last 15 minutes of the match and the overtime were excellent. And uh, I thought the finish was excellent. I thought the accidental bloody ma- – you know how I feel about the accidental blood, Rich. And this match had the accidental blood with Sasha's mouth busted open, which made for a great visual uh, for the final figure eight that they did in overtime. And uh, I went four stars on this because I really think the last 15 to 20 minutes redeemed it. I thought – You know, in this feud where the matches have been sloppy, but sloppy in an entertaining way, this was the most well-worked. This was the best. This was their best work. This was their cleanest work. This match did not have that reckless, dangerous, someone's going to die feel to it. And I think that's because the first fifteen minutes were worked so safe. Uh, and ironically, this was the first match where somebody like got hurt because Sasha got busted open. So I say that, but um, but but I mean, it didn't have that reckless feel. It was it was well worked. The work was clean. Uh, and and look, I wasn't a big fan of Sasha tapping out to tie the score with two seconds left. I mean. I know we've seen that in MMA, but a lot of times, you know, those fighters just aren't aware of the clock or whatever the case is. And they can't, you know, and they're not. And and they're at risk of having their arm ripped off. And I kind of, you know, and and it's like, I guess if you're suspending disbelief here, Sasha feels she's at risk of having her legs snapped in half. But, you you know, she's cognizant of the clock. She couldn't hold on for two more seconds. I mean, they've put over this feud as these two people cannot stand each other and they'll do anything to beat each other. Well, she couldn't last two more seconds. In that case, I mean, that came off a little weak to me. I think that sort of psychology works better if it's the heel tapping out with two seconds left. You know what I mean? I I, I don't know about the babyface tapping out with two seconds left when they're on the verge of of winning this feud, ending this feud – Putting this uh, hated opponent in their review and winning the final battle—I can't buy into Sasha Banks tapping out with two seconds
0: left. Yeah, that's that's a perfect babyface thing to, to to live through that to say, "Oh my god, it was excruciating, but I, I knew I just had two more seconds, and then I could finally, you know." Pr- yeah, it, it doesn't make any sense for the babyface to be the one that taps there. It, 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 that yeah, that doesn't work at all. The psychology
1: but... was just off there. But with that said, I mean. It sounds like I'm burying this match, but I gave it four stars. I thought it was a a, a, a really great match and, and maybe the best match that they've had. And I really like the Raw Falls Count Anywhere match where Sasha won the title. I really like that one. And we both liked all the other ones for those reckless aspects. I mean, they may not have been – they were Sabu matches is what they were. I mean, we've talked about it. They were basically Sabu matches from ECW where they're just – you can't take your eyes off them because you you know, they're they're just there's just this quality to them. This that wasn't this. This was their a well worked match and I enjoyed it and I thought, you know, I wasn't enjoying it for the first half. Uh, but uh they, they definitely redeemed themselves. So now Something you spoke about a few minutes ago. They do claim that this feud is over, but I, you're not the only one who doesn't buy it. I, I mean, there's a lot of people saying, "All right, well, what are they doing at Royal Rumble? What stipulation are they going us to use?" <laughs>
0: right. yeah, it's, it's just hard to believe, especially when you know this company right now with, with this person leading it. It's just the problem is the depth. I mean, we look at it. There's a few you know girls that are that are up there, but. You know, when the times get tough and you're like, all right, we need a good feud. I mean, these are kind of the two best ones on Raw, you know, like they can obviously build up a Bailey, They can build up a Nia Jax and they can build up those sort of things. And they, they have done a decent job of that. But you just wonder when they're going to kind of go to the security blanket. And The security blanket is going to be Charlotte and Sasha. I mean, that, that'll always be there for them and it'll always be in the back of their head.
1: I feel like they really pounded this feud home, and I enjoyed the feud from start to finish, but I... I, I did too,
0: yeah. I, I think now that there's kind of a bow on it for for now, I think they did a fantastic job with it.
1: I think it was an excellent feud for smart-type fans like us from, from that standpoint where we enjoyed this, and I do think... Uh, to some extent they 've gotten uh the women over on on a different level than they were previously, and this is definitely an improvement on the the failed uh you know women 's revolution and all that crap with the factions and whatnot but i 'm not sure that this achieved the the, the completely got there with that. and, and i 'm not sure it 's fair to expect it to have done that to change years and years of of what they 've conditioned the fans to think of of women 's wrestling i don 't know that one feud was going to completely turn everyone's corner on
0: that. Yeah, that's hard to do too, especially because now that you you say you separate them, it's hard to have the idea that, okay, now – it's ready to go so now sasha you know sasha can face anybody and it's going to be a hot few because the the fact of the matter is you know they're they're done now and now charlotte's going to move on to a few that is not going to be a, a, nearly as as hot and, and there's going to be a bunch of women now that are going to be back up in these top spots that aren't over to the same extent that these two are so in the sense that it, it probably elevated these two yes did it elevate charlotte probably a little bit more yeah you could say that but yeah like i don't think it's fair to say that they were going to do it and i don't think they did achieve necessarily, you know, a quote unquote revolution, but I think they had a very, very good feud and it might be, you know, one of the best women's feuds this company has ever had. And again, that's not really, you know, tall timber uh, to do that, but it's these small steps that we we, we unfortunately have to take right now is, you know, Hey, they finished a long feud, a prolonged feud with a lot of really good matches. I mean, honestly, in ring wise, the best feud that th- this company has ever had for women. And let's hope that that's just the beginning of a, of a longer trend for this company. But, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to know because, there are so many years of the opposite, so it'll be interesting to Sasha see. Sasha
1: Banks is the best female wrestler in the history of the company. You, you yep. said that before she even came to the main roster, and you were right. But, I mean, I think that's pretty obvious now. With that said, do you have a – the other big talking point, do you have a major problem with them going right back to Charlotte and not giving Sasha Banks, quote-unquote, a fair shake with the title with all these short title runs? I do not. I think um, – look, they, they, they chose Charlotte to be the face – Um, And I don't have a problem with that because I think Charlotte is excellent in her role. I think she's a great heel. I think she – overall, I I think – look, Sasha Banks is the better wrestler than Charlotte. I don't think the gap is as wide as a lot of people want to make it. But I think Charlotte's the better overall performer when you take promos into account, um, her presence, uh, the way she's developed as a heel. And I don't have any problem with them choosing Charlotte. I wouldn't have had a problem if they chose Sasha either, but I mean, look, you got to choose one or the other and they chose Charlotte. I'm don't. i I'm not getting wrapped up in this idea that Sasha Banks is getting some kind of raw deal. Who's pushed harder than Sasha Banks other than Charlotte? And really, you know, it's like Sasha Banks, all these main events that Charlotte has been in, uh, whether it's Raw or the pay-per-view and all, guess what? It's been with Sasha. So, you know, Sasha's been pushed, you know, just as hard as Charlotte. It's just, you know, Rich, do you think people, and it sort of relates to something we'll talk about in New Japan, you know, over the next couple of weeks. But do you think people get too wrapped up in who has the belt when it comes to? Uh, oh, this person's not being pushed hard enough, or this person's being buried, or this person you know, uh, deserves the opportunities that this person... Is. Do you think it's just that people just get too worked up over who has the belt around their waist? Cause a little do, bit, Do yeah. you see a massive difference between the push of Charlotte and Sasha? I'm not saying Charlotte's not... Look, it, Charlotte very clearly is being pushed. But sh- sure. is Sasha not being pushed incredibly hard? What's the issue here?
0: Yeah, like you said, the next... Top pushed woman in the entire company other than Charlotte is Sasha. The the, the gap is not that large between the two. You'd, you'd kind of assume it is, but it's it's not. I mean, Sasha's been right there neck and neck with Charlotte the entire time. I don't have an issue with Charlotte being the one that they sort of chose. Uh, to go forward with because I do think that she's probably got the little bit, a little bit better. You know, obviously she's got the pedigree, a little bit more. I, I, I wouldn't want to say marketable, but I think like in their mind they could see a little bit more with Charlotte being kind of the figurehead of that division and whatnot. But I don't think Sasha's going away. It's not like now that Sasha lost she's going to be a nothing on the, you know, toiling around in in, in semi main, you know, or like the openers or you, you know superstars. Or, I mean she's not going to do that. She's going to be in the in the thick of things, you know, of, of course still for a while. But uh, yeah, no, I don't I don't have an issue with with them choosing Charlotte. The issue that I probably have is that there were so many title changes in this feud. And to me, that kind of, and we talked about it a little bit last week, a title change can really do a lot to really solidify something. And if if this was, you know, Charlotte winning the title back after Sasha had it a few, you know, maybe a few more weeks or or a month or so, it would have meant a little bit more. But it it kind of became a joke. And I mean, I don't know if you watched Raw, but Biggie made a joke about how many times Charlotte has won the title. Over the past few months. You know what I mean? Like, th- that, it's kind of become a running joke of, oh my God, you know, Sasha cries every time she wins the title. What's her fourth time winning the title in two months? Like, stop crying. You don't have to cry anymore because you keep winning the title every, you know, every few weeks. I, I have a little bit of an issue with that. I think they bounced it around a little too much, but that's a story they wanted to tell. And now that the story's kind of done and now you see that Charlotte's kind of moved on, in totality, I don't know if I mind the title switches as much. It just, it, it, it did kind of work as a story. I have a little beef with it just because I do think titles should be, you know, treated a little bit better than that, and they should be a little bit more important when there's a title switch, but overall, I can't really complain about anything they've done in the build, and I can't complain about their decisions to to switch the titles, and I can't complain too much about their decision for Charlotte to be the last one to hold the title either, so I'm okay with it, I'm fine with Charlotte being the one, but yeah, this idea that that Sasha's being buried or in otherwise just, you, you know, completely out of the picture now that she is, it's not that big of a deal. I mean, she can still do stuff without the title. I think the combination, though, I think what they're really going to have to do, uh, and it's a problem in this company in, in general, is have the women and have a Sasha Banks get in a feud with whoever whoever she moves on to next. She can be in a feud even if the title is not central to that feud. And I think that's something that you've been been bang home a lot of times as well. And we talked about with the cruiserweights as well. WWE struggles with that. They don't tell stories for people that don't have titles. They just kind of toil around in nowhere land until they're ready for a title shot. Particularly, and then they kinda, particularly the women. Yeah, the women do nothing. I mean, they do absolutely nothing if they don't have a title. And this would be a great time to have two stories go on. Have Charlotte with her title against a Bailey or an, you know, whatever you want to do, but then have Sasha do something. Cause Sasha can still be important to you. Sasha is still a very important part of that company and of that division. The key now is to do something with her not just have her be out there. And that's going to be the struggle for them. And I think that's, what's the worry for some people is that it's only the champions that this company seems to care about or the title, you know, challengers. And now that Sasha's sort of quote unquote out of the picture, they're worried. Okay. What's next for Sasha? Is she just going to be doing nothing? You know Sasha's really good and they're, they're going to waste her. And I, I get that. That's a real complaint that people have, and I understand why they have it because WWE does that. But yeah, that, that'll be the key to see what they do with her afterwards because if they don't do anything with her, then that is kind of an indictment of them, and they should do something with her because she's very important even if she doesn't have the title and even if she's not directly competing for the title. How
1: many people in the company are clearly pushed harder than, than Sasha Banks? The list is not long.
0: No, I mean, it's it, not. It,
1: it, it's this idea i mean i just it, just it just drives you nuts i mean i i really think people get wrapped up with who has you know the 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 fake title around their waist in terms of that you know it, 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 we see we see it in new japan too as it relates to uh, naito and okada as well and it's you know when you look at facts i mean you know facts will tell you that naito is 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 pushed incredibly hard but there's this idea that that he's not pushed hard and that he's it, people go as far as to say He's buried, and it's like facts tell you the complete opposite, you know. And
0: it's, it's and, and sometimes sometimes the title can be used really well when a person doesn't have them. When people when someone's chasing them, or when they don't have the, you know, Naito's a perfect example of him not having the title helps give him more ammunition for his character it, or whatever. It, and it, it,
1: that's exactly what his character is all about: complaining right. that he's not given opportunity. So you don't want it. Wouldn't a me if he,
0: he just has the title for a year. It's it's boring. It, then it what is he complaining yeah, about? Yeah. What is he bitching what's about? The impetus, <laughs> like,
1: what's the impetus for his cry right. baby character?
0: And sometimes a a real hot babyface, it it were you know Sting. We saw it many times. Sting was the best at chasing. The second he got the title, I was like, "Eh, all right, well, whatever. You know what I mean? Like it didn't matter. Even even Stone Cold was was very similar to that as well. Once he finally got his hand on the title, it was kind of like, all right, well, yeah. Like it was cool when he was like fighting McMahon and McMahon was trying to keep the title away from him. Like a lot of times, certain characters it works better when they don't have the title. You know, we talk about it a lot with Sami Zayn where it's not dec- directly title-related, but he's a guy who works better when he's not winning, when he's getting destroyed, when he's getting beaten down. That's when his character excels. And it, and someone like Sasha Banks, I you know, that, that remains to be seen if maybe her lost character would be better. On the flip side,
1: I think Charlotte works better as a cocky champion.
0: 100%. So yeah, that, she does not work chasing. She works as I... You know, she works like her, her father that, did. Exactly, a lot of yes, it. yes,
1: yeah. exactly. So, yeah, so that that's Charlotte and Sasha Banks. And in terms of Naito Okada... Uh, we're not going to do it this week, but next week, and I've been preparing, Rich. People are going to have to face the facts on Tetsuya uh, Naito because I have a bevy. Look, if you listen to next week's show, and
0: you like him, by the way, I, warning I, you, do I, like, I Na- like him a lot.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, right, but- I, I think the guy's great, and he's had a breakthrough year, and, and he's, he's arguably, if he were in the Flair Thez, I'd have no argument against it. But but the thing is, this idea that he's not pushed. I mean, next week, people are going to face the facts, and I've got nothing but facts. None of it's opinion, Rich. It's all facts. It's all facts. I can't wait. I'm so excited about next week's show. So I can absolutely bury these 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 this these, these nonsensical opinion that Tetsuya Naito was mistreated uh, in New Japan this year, which is which is utter nonsense. But uh, moving on with this card, uh, you mentioned Sami Zayn ten minute challenge with Braun Strowman. He survives the ten minute challenge and is announced as the winner and gets his hand raised. I hate this. I hate this. This is just so bad. Um, I don't know what this does for anyone. I mean, what does this 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 look this storyline was was I suppose well done from an execution standpoint because Mick Foley Braun Strowman and Sami Zayn are so great in their roles that they made it work. But what was accomplished here other than them telling us again that Sami Zayn isn't good enough to beat Braun Strowman? Um, look, I, I get that the match ended with two haluva kicks to sort of give you this idea that Zayn might have won if the match continued, but I didn't. I didn't get that impression. I, it didn't look like Strowman was was totally, you know, on the ropes to me. Uh, it just, and to me, I think this whole thing indirectly buries Kevin Owens too. Not that it matters because he's been the worst book champion in the company since Rey Mysterio Jr. And uh, but, but I, I think it indirectly buries him too because Sami Zayn definitively beat this man in a feud. And now they're telling you that Sam Zane isn't good
0: enough. That never happened. That never happened. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: Now they're telling you he's not, he can't beat Braun Strowman. So what not they tell you? They're telling you your champion can't beat – is 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 inferior to Zane and then far inferior to his Braun Strowman. So why would we have any respect like, – look – the whole idea is you don't want you to have respect for the champion because he's supposed to be a goofball who was handed the title and is constantly saved by his friend. But that's why he's the worst book champion and the least interesting champion in the company since Rey Mysterio Jr. Uh, but but I, I don't know. This whole Zayn thing, it was well done because the three performers in it were great. But I don't know what it accomplishes other than – to continue making Braun Strowman look incredible, which is which is really going to be their ultimate goal, because they're going to they may very well do Braun Strowman Roman Reigns at WrestleMania.
0: Yeah, my, my thing with this match um, and and kind of the feud in general, I've I've enjoyed the feud to an extent uh, because and exactly like you said, because all three of those dudes are so good in their roles. This was just weird, though, and, and I this, the finish went exactly how I thought, but it went a little bit different than I thought because I really thought it would be Sami Zayn just absolutely, you know, just decimated by Braun Strowman and just, just barely hanging on, just barely hanging on, barely hanging on, and that leads to, yeah, and then the finish would be Sami Zayn, you know, does survive the 10-minute time limit, but the idea is that, oh, Braun Strowman just absolutely destroyed this guy, Sami Zayn is completely, uh, you know, overmatched or whatever, and then it leads to maybe another match down the line where Sammy then d- d- definitively does beat him. But again, you don't want that, though. You don't want Braun Strowman to get defeated. So I guess that the problem is, like you said, is what then is the point of this feud? Like if the feud was to get Braun Strowman over. The story works a lot better with Sami Zayn, you know, the next time after he gets, you know, he survives the 10 minute time limit and then in the next match he beats Braun Strowman. But you don't want to do that. You want Braun Strowman to win. So I don't know what really works this way. And this, it, 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 maybe Sami Zayn was the wrong guy to to do it with, but he made Braun Strowman look like a million bucks. I don't know what you do with this. Zane was the wrong, Zayn
1: was the best guy and the worst guy to do.
0: Yeah, that's what I mean. Like it, it, it works so well because Zayn is so good at what he does, but it's also like, ah, he's a commodity too. And you kind of want to, re- you don't want him to just be like, a- you don't want Brent to beat him in a minute. And then it's like, ah, oh, shit. All right, well, whatever. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Zane's so good at working underneath and being that guy just, just valiantly does that, you know, valiantly comes back, valiantly comes back, and then eventually, you know, wins or eventually, you know, proves himself to, you know, to have merit or whatever. But then you want Braun Strowman to be the guy that beats everybody down and wins and he's ready for WrestleMania. You know what I mean? So it like, ah, Zayn is so good at getting beaten down, but he's so good at getting beaten down that it, t- it kind of doesn't work when you want Strowman to be the guy that, that succeeds. So it's, it, it was kind of weird in that sense where everybody was very good in it. But yeah, it was like what was, you know, what they wanted to accomplish. I don't know that they could accomplish with all the parts.
1: Um, Rich Swan defeats Brian Kendrick. Oh, the Brian Kendrick. And, yes, and TJ man with the plan. And, with the plan that's baby. right. He does have a plan. And his plan is to bore us to tears
0: and <laughs> never win and,
1: and TJ Perkins. Uh, they got like five minutes, but six on the dot.
0: Like they told him, go home,
1: like, get out of here. Yeah. But I mean, and, and, and it was just um, basically a setup for the Neville angle, which was excellent. And Neville has been fantastic over the last week as a heel. Um, I think they've really found something with this. He's clicking. He feel, he seems motivated, he, he gives a shockingly good heel promo. Um, and, and I think he's given some juice to the whole 205 thing. So I'm excited to see what they do with Neville moving forward. I'm excited – well, I, you know what? I should give some pause. I was going to say I'm excited to see Cruiserweight title matches that do not involve the Brian Kendrick, since he's been involved in every single Cruiserweight title match <laughs> since they've rolled out the title. September. September. And, you know, while it looks, it's December 22nd. <laughs> well, it looks like they're going towards Neville and Swan and and wink, wink, nudge, nudge, referencing their Dragon Gate histories and everything without specifically mentioning Dragon Gate um, the thing is, if Brian Kendrick was spared from Neville's attack at this, at this pay-per-view, and then Brian Kendrick had got uh, uh, nearly finished off Swan with, the, uh, with, his, with his headlock finisher on 205 Live this week, the captain's hook. That's funny. Someone pointed that out on Twitter. You know, I was ranting about Brian Kendrick being in every title match, and someone said, and on top of everything else, his finisher is a fucking headlock. <laughs> right. and when you really break it down it's true it the is, man's uh... finisher is a reverse chin lock I mean it's just everything about this guy is just ah oh, man but um but it's feels... there was
0: that there was that two months where we really liked him remember that that was pretty fun I
1: took Rich, there were two matches where, we, where people were. Oh, maybe. Those was, were the but... Cruiserweight Classic matches, <laughs> which I thought were. Look, I like them too, but I thought they were slightly overhyped. I mean, there was better stuff in that tournament than.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but but it was funny when we had like 1,000. you know, and
1: Well, we, you know, we pivoted. my
0: own horn there. We had hundreds of people. Ah, that's even to much. 10 people that said, oh, you know, you guys hate the Brian Kendrick, but now look, and now you look like idiots but, but, or whatever. And, we're and, like, and okay, said, okay we, all right. We pivoted right. off of that. Yeah, right. We,
1: look. We didn't understand why he was put in the tournament because nothing that he had done for years was compelling.
0: Right. His evolve. Go watch his evolve run and tell me that we were wrong to to say that the Brian Kendrick stuff. Go watch
1: his Dragon Gate USA stuff. His new.
0: Oh, that's what I meant. The Dragon Gate USA. Yeah.
1: Go go watch that. The new Japan Best of Super Juniors run.
0: Oh God, I forgot about that. Damn it. Damn
1: it. Oh,
0: don't remind me. There was reason
1: to be critical, but then he had those two good matches, and we came on this show and said, you know what, Brian Kendrick proved us wrong. He had good matches in the Cruiseway Classic. Then they built the division around him, and it just hasn't worked. His matches have been okay. Rich, I can't tell you he's gone out there and had bad matches. But have the matches done anything for you?
0: No, they've been fine. The floor has been fine with those, and that's, that's a big reason. And we could see that with this Cruiserweight it's entire division is, is what Vince wants out of it is a floor that's acceptable, and he doesn't care what the ceiling is. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't want you guys out there, you know, fucking a bunch of stuff up. Just have a good, clean match and get out of there. That's that's why Davari's there. That's why the Brian Kendrick's there. That's why uh, you, you know the, the same sort of guys are there. Is just because those guys have a floor. Those guys are not going to slip on the top rope doing some cool move. They're not going to you know injure themselves or whatever. They're just going to have a solid little match and get out of there. And that's what they want. They don't want you know the big high flying stuff because that could that has risks. Right. That has you know potential for injury. That is that he doesn't mind if their main eventers are doing that. that okay, shit. okay, but why can't? But here's
1: the thing, and and and, yeah. and we've had this discussion a million times. I don't even – look, if you, don't, if you don't want to make it a dive fest and you don't want to make it flips with a Z, I get it. It doesn't mean it has to be boring and non-compelling. Agreed. Why can't yeah, they agree. do the Evolve style? You watch an Evolve show, it's not flips with a Z. It's not a dive fest. But they're compelling matches with good action and a, and a, and a style that you don't see in many other pl- – look – we thought that that this cruiseway thing was going to be sort of WWE's version of the evolve style, and it hasn't been that either. It's just been dry. So you don't, you know, everyone's conflating the look. I'd like to see some more flips. Don't get me wrong. I if if you got guys who can do flips, let them do flips. But even if you want guys to work safe, that doesn't mean they have to work boring. Yeah, Just good matches,
0: good matches, fun matches, matches that make the crowd actually make some amount of noise as opposed to leave. So
1: different action than what they're getting from the. Yeah, getting better action on them with the heavyweights and that it should be the other way around. Mm -hmm. These guys should be doing something different, even if it's not flips and dives. But yeah, this got no time. It was all set up for the Neville angle, which came off very well. And uh, and the way we go there. Now, what I was going to say was uh, they may inject Brian Kendrick because they, they had Brian Kendrick and Neville not getting along on 205 Live, which just terrifies me because I don't want another three. Can we stop? Can we get Brian Kendrick out of the title picture? <laughs> that's all I'm asking. Can we have a title match without Brian
0: Just Kendrick? one match. Just one title match. Can, that's all we're asking. Can
1: he go feud with Jack Gallagher and, and, and just get him out of the.
0: Gallagher. Gallagher. Yeah,
1: Jack Gallagher. That's what I said. So, can we go have him feud with Jack Gallagher or something instead of DeVar? Just get him out of there. I, I'm not with him with the. <laughs>
0: he blocked us. He, he got the DeVar blocked us. But here's
1: the thing it's not so much a complaint about Divari as. It's not his fault. Hey, good day. It's change, not dude. his He's been on TV 12 times since the Cruiserweight <laughs> Classic ended. Mustafa Ali, two. Grand Metallic, once. And it was like in a. A six-man before a pay-per-view or something, I think. It wasn't even... Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. I was, I was trying to figure out where that one came from. I completely forgot he was even a part of it.
1: He was either on Raw or on a before a pay-per-view.
0: Yeah, right, he, right. He was in
1: some six-man where he was probably in the ring for, for 48 seconds. Okay? Akira was zero. Okay? Th- those are just three guys I'm using as examples because they're really fucking good. Those are arguably the three best people you have. Okay? You can make that argument. They're awesome. All three of them. They're all world-class talents. They've been on TV a combined three times. Aria fucking Daivari. Look, no offense to the guy.
0: No, yeah. get paid, man. Jesus, no, look, dude, go a, for it. He's a decent little... <laughs> he's not going to He's not gonna pass up the booking either. He's going to look on the sheet and go, all right, I don't, whatever. I don't begrudge him. Like, he's a... going to walk up and go, guys, you should really, really book Akira Tozawa instead of me. I really think he's, you should... <laughs>
1: he's a decent little wrestler, okay? But he's on every single 205 Live. He's on every single Raw. Well, he's been in more matches since the Cruiser... <laughs> If I told you after the Cruiserweight Classic, after that dramatic T.J. Perkins win, those two great matches, everyone's pumped up about the Cruiserweights. And I told you guys I have a crystal ball. Check this out. They're going to give us a show called 205 Live. The Cruiserweights are going to have their own show. Can you believe it? They're also going to be featured on Raw every single week. And by the end of the year, by December 22nd, Aria Daivari is going to have more matches than any other man in this division. You would have looked at me like I was nuts. I mean, this has become the Aria Divari show and and, and 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 please, enough with the Drew Gulak promos. Okay?
0: Yeah, I feel like I would not have my my <laughs> like, that seems like a really bad idea, the Drew... is that the guy we're going le- to the- revolve, <laughs> like, we're going to have Ari Navari matches and Drew Gulak promos, and that's going to really prop up our entire company. That's...
1: I mean, I've compared him to the three guys that that have that we haven't seen at all who are really good, but he's been on TV more than anyone other than Brian Kendrick and TJ Perkins. And in fact, I didn't even run the stats on them. He may, be, he may have been have more matches than those guys for all I know. He's right in the same – 12 matches for this guy? And you can only f- find a way to get Grand Metalik on TV once. And I don't want to hear about he's finishing up in Mexico. I don't want to hear about Tazawa doing the Japan-Australia tour. Did Tozawa have to be on that Japan-Australia tour? I get that you wanted him in, in to work Japan. But these men have also been in the building for Raw. They've been in the building for 205 Live. They just haven't used them. It, I, I'm sick of having the same radio. But it's pretty disturbing that Aria Divari has been on TV 12 times. And, and, and more than anybody else, aside from Brian Kent. Bri- Why is it these people that we that are boring that are getting all the TV time? Brian Kendrick and Aria Daivari. I mean, give me a noam dar Oh, my God. It just makes you sick.
0: Yeah, I, I'd kill for a Tony Nice match at this point. You know what I mean? I mean, mean like,
1: seriously. It's
0: gotten to that point where I'm like, ah, I wish it was Tony was Bring back here. Bollywood
1: Number 2. I mean, anything. <laughs> right. For God's sake. Don't bring back Bollywood Number 2. And Yeah, that,
0: that's actually your favorite. And
1: leave Ho-Ho Lun in mothballs, please. But, but I mean, geez, can we, you know, Aria Daivari, for God's sake. And again, it's not his fault, but I, yeah, he blocked us because, you know, I kept pounding at home on any, any, he, he, he searched. you know, and he, he,
0: well, I don't know if he did the, um, I forgot. Somebody had a really good name for it. I forgot what it was, where you, you tag the wrestler in what other people are saying. Like it was one of those things where they're like, Hey, Aria, these guys say you well, suck or yeah, whatever. You know, I like. know someone did that too, but he did. I don't know if you
1: noticed, cause it was in the, it was in the dark of night when I'm running the account, but Daivari did do the, uh, I see you favoriting of our tweets
0: in the middle. Oh, okay. Okay. I didn't know yeah, that. He did that, the, so. the
1: passive aggressive favoriting.
0: Somebody had a really good I, I believe term we for it, that what, what the bull it Dempsey. Yes. Yeah. That is the bull. But uh, yeah, what I forgot. Somebody had a really awesome term. I'll have to figure out what it was for when people tag like celebrities in tweets. I forgot. I got uh, the, like the
1: whole whole monitor deal. Like the tab.
0: Yeah. It's not whole monitor. It's all, oh, man. I'll have to figure it out. Because it was all, I, I read it and I said, that is perfect. That is exactly. The perfect descriptor for what that is, and I'll, let me. I'll have what do to try you to think
1: is? I, I posed this question on Twitter a few weeks ago. What do you think's cringier? People who tag in wrestlers uh, so that they can see criticism, or 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 whatnot, like you know the whole tattletale hall monitor deal that you're talking about, or when two wrestlers are having a conversation on Twitter and a fan jumps in and you just have secondhand embarrassment for them because you know they're trying to like butt into the conversation. And it's very clear that the two wrestlers are just enjoying bantering between each other. And then you have this goofball fan uh, jumping into the conversation. What do you think comes off more poorly for a fan? I, th-
0: I think the tagging the wrestler and the criticism thing. I think, that, I think that's worse. Because at least I can understand from the standpoint of like those two dudes talking. Like, Don't go on social media and do that. Like, get each other's numbers and like, text each other. You know what I mean? Right. Like, you're opening yourself up to that. Right, right. You're sort of, like, yeah, when, yeah,
1: right, right, right. It's, it's right, like, get off there. Right.
0: I mean, that's not, like, people are going to naturally be inclined to be like, oh, hey, what do you think of, like, I do love when, like, you ch- you click on one of those threads and then someone's like, hey, Ricochet, what's your favorite match of all time? <laughs> it's just like, dude, come on. Like, yeah. like that I kind of laugh at, but there's nothing cringier than like, hey, David Finley, these guys talk shit about you. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, what are you doing? Like.
1: Yeah, yeah, you'll, you know, you'll, you'll make a, you know, you'll critique a match or a wrestler and it, nothing even mean spirited, just what we
0: have. Well, yeah, and it, it, just, it's completely out of context too, because we could say, we could say 7,000 great things about Ari Davari, but if one of them is like, ah, man, Ari Davari sucked in that or match or whatever. Or he's
1: on TV more than this guy and he shouldn't be.
0: Right, which and you is know it, is devoid of the other context of every other tweet that you've had, and somebody goes, you know, hey, I think at Arya Navari's awesome. You suck, like, you know what I mean? Like, right. like oh, and come it's on, like, oh, come like, on, yeah, I mean,
1: geez, guy, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like they're looking for the back pat from the wrestler.
0: Exactly, is what it yes. is.
1: Yeah. it's like they want the wrestler to acknowledge and and give them a fave and and pat them on the back. It's like these people who put in their Twitter bios, you know. I was followed by Summer Ray. Oh, my God. That is the two, absolute top on tier. On 2015, 2014. Nobody cares that Summer Rae follows you. Like, literally, zero people on Earth <laughs> care about that fact. You know what I mean?
0: But it, that is... The the ringleader of like the cringiest 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 things too, and the best I love it when like people are so happy that like X followed them or whatever, and then you go look at X's account and they follow like forty five thousand people, <laughs> and it's like okay, they just like they're either a bot that follows everybody that mentions their name, or they just follow everybody that follows they them. Give like, you follow
1: it's... backs, or they're following you in hopes that you follow them, or right? They
0: don't care. They're not like oh man, you really bring great content to this Twitter, or like...
1: or, or or some array is like okay, this person's account is. At I love Summer Ray. I'm going to throw them a bone because they're a fan. So I'll give them a little follow here, even though they're probably a maniac and they, you know, have my head cut off all of my pictures on their walls. You know, it's that kind of deal, too. And it's it's like, you know, it's but but yeah, there's a lot of cringe behavior. But you're right. The adding the wrestler to 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 point out, you know, a critique is is really and and we encounter that a lot, obviously, just with the nature of our account. But I'm always like, dude, really? Come on. I mean, don't don't play Hallmonder. But uh, but yeah, so Seth Rollins versus Chris Jericho, this match was dry as sand, couldn't have been more boring. If you haven't seen the show, you can safely skip Seth Rollins, Chris Jericho. There was nothing to it. Uh, Rollins won the match in the end when Kevin Owens' interference or distraction methods backfired, which planted the seeds for what we saw in the main event where we weren't sure if Jericho was going to try to cost Owens the match in retaliation. So again, Rich, a lot of this was like Raw. It was like they did a lot of stuff that that would normally yeah. be reserved for a Raw. And the opener, I thought, was the other great match on the show, along with the women's match. That was the New Day losing to Cesaro and, and Sheamus. The long title reign is over. Cesaro put in what may have been his performance of the year uh, in this match. He was incredible. Um, he's doing uh, corkscrew uh, piscadas over the top rope and throwing European uppercuts and killing people and just – this match was worked at such a great pace. This was your old-school, fast-paced, pay-per-view opener of old. Remember how they used to open pay-per-views with the Rockers all the time? Because the Rockers would go out there and just yeah, fucking it kill it for seven it. minutes and get the crowd. The Bulldogs,
0: Rockers, you always got those as the opener. You know,
1: whether it was Rockers, Orient Express, or Rockers versus Barbarian and Haku at WrestleMania 7, one of my favorite matches. And it's like that's what this felt like, where they just went out there and, and just went balls to the wall and killed it. What a great opener this was! I went four stars on this. It was easily the best match of, of New Day's title run, in my view. Uh, Sheamus was uh, held up his end as well, but Cesaro, even though everyone was great in this match, I thought Cesaro was was even better than the other three and really head and shoulders. And it had the great finish that. Uh, you know, it, it's uh, you know, where, where, where Sheamus dove to the corner to make a tag to Cesaro. Cesaro pulls his hand away at the very last fraction of a second in order to deke Kofi Kingston. So Kofi Kingston thinks that Cesaro is tagged into the match. Cesaro comes charging into the ring, sacrifices himself, and eats the trouble in paradise knowing that he's not the legal man. Kingston goes for the pin. The referee doesn't count. And that allows Sheamus... To then uh, attack Kingston and score the fall since Sheamus was still the the legal man. A super creative finish to a super awesome, highly intense match. Everything worked here. Uh, I think it was neck and neck with the uh, women's title match for best match on the show. And, um, and, And I really enjoyed it. So if you haven't seen the show, go out of your way to watch that match go out of your way to watch the women's match go out of your way to watch the cruiserweight thing. The match is short enough where you can sit through it to then see the Neville angle. The rest of it. You really don't need to see the rest of it was mostly forgettable. The show was a mixed bag.
0: Uh, thoughts on the we'll move on after this, but thoughts on the new day uh, losing the title. Are you, are hundred percent fine with that? Yeah, game? they
1: broke the record and, and, and that was, you know what they, yeah,
0: so. and it was obvious. This is the story they wanted to with Cesaro and Sheamus eventually winning the titles, but they just didn't want them to win, you know, a month ago because they were so close to beating this thing so why not have some little thing here where you know talk about demolition the new day beat, you know a little pomp and circumstance thing and then immediately once they've done with that they can they can then move on to titles and, and get on the story that they need to because i think you and i both agree and i think a lot of people agree too, the new day they were long in the tooth as tag champions anyway so how many more times could nice they beat to get... the club on raw I mean, exactly it's... you know like that that it, it had run its course and now you know they have a little interesting path of okay what's next for them what's going on with them you know what's going on in this tag division it feels the Tag Division finally feels fresh after really a long, long, long time. And it's not like I don't like long title reigns. I do like long title reigns. But this one in particular, just nothing stood out. And it's kind of funny that the best match of their entire title reign was probably the last one. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they had nothing else that really mattered whatsoever in that entire title reign than their last matches, is, is, you know. In terms of in terms the terms best of matches, one. So.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah, for sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. And entertainment wise, still there. But yeah, the matches just did not uh, work all that well. So that was Roadblock End of the Line. We're done with that. Joe, uh, before we get to the questions, you wanted to talk about Dragon Gate, the final gate, which is going on uh, December 25th, uh, Christmas morning. So you can wake up nice and early on uh, Christmas morning, ignore your family, and go watch some hot Dragon Gate action. So <laughs> I know many people are going to do that. I know we, uh, we have a preview right now on the website as well. You go to voiceofwrestling.com. You can check out our, our, our Open the Voice Gate uh, crew, which is our uh, Dragon Gate-specific podcast. Uh, they did a preview of the show, and it's actually kind of surprisingly a really good show with a lot of really good matches on it, a lot of intriguing matches too.
1: Yeah, there's a lot going on here. Um, I, I It should be an excellent show. Dragon Gate is always deliver on some level. Um, there's a lot of interesting matches, and there's matches where the winners are – it's a lot like Wrestle Kingdom in that the winners aren't obvious here. I really don't know what direction they're going to go um, with a lot of these matches. And our Dragon Gate crew, in this case it was Case Low, Michael Spears, and John Carroll – They had very differing opinions on a lot of these matches, too. I don't think there's a single match where the three of them agreed on the winner. And these days in pro wrestling, if you follow wrestling as close as we do, a lot of times you have a feel for who's going to win a lot of these matches. Um, But this show, I tell you, it's 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 uh, a lot of these finishes are up in the air. Um, We'll quickly run through the card. Uh, we won't. You know, I don't think we're going to go in excruciating detail because we want to get to these questions. But
0: the- yeah, but we will. We will watch it though. We will talk about it. Uh, maybe not next week because next week might be. Things we'll are going go to get to nuts Kingdom. over the
1: next couple weeks. Yeah, Wrestle but we're, we're definitely
0: going to watch it and we'll we'll hopefully be able to fit it in. But yeah, just just a warning. It's going to be real nuts here. We got end of the year awards, match of the year, Wrestle Kingdom, a lot of stuff going on. The Wrestle the year,
1: Kingdom so. preview and then the Wrestle Kingdom show and then we got the review Wrestle Kingdom. So that's going to eat up a lot of time on the show. We're releasing two books, by the way. Uh, that's, that's <laughs> taken up a little bit of time. I, we got to get on the ball with the voice of wrestling match of the year. I got to start. We haven't coming thought too. about <laughs> it because we're writing two books, but we'll get to that. The ballots are going to come. Just relax. We'll give everybody plenty of time to vote. We're not going to send out the ballots and say, get it back to us in three days. Okay. Don't, you're going to have plenty of time to get your shit together. And then, uh, you know, we might have to do, you know, an observer award show at some. There's a lot to do, but we will. I wanted to make sure we previewed this show. We always get Dragon Gate, the short end of the stick. It always gets bumped. So we'll preview this show now. Um, did, did you have it on the, the, the doc gimmick, or what are we using here for the? Because I'm not looking at the... Uh...
0: I don't know. I'm just on okay, deck. So,
1: okay, so I've, I've not, got so. our...
0: I don't have time to do a good doc today. I felt very bad, but uh, there's no good. I've got no, our no preview doc. up, which, uh,
1: you know, people can... Uh... Get an even deeper preview of this stuff if they go to the website and pull up our preview. But uh, let's see. The opener is Gamma, Punch, Tamananga, and Boy versus Jimmy Kness, Hollywood Stalker, Ichikawa, and Yasuke, Santa Maria. Look, Rich, this is just your typical Dragon Gate opener that features a bunch of people who aren't currently involved in storylines for this pay-per-view cycle. So there's really yeah, not much it. to talk about here. <laughs> Um, There should be some comedy involved in this match because we've got uh, Hollywood Stalker in there who, to me, I'm not a big comedy wrestler guy, but that guy pops me every time.
0: Is the best, I okay. yeah. Oh, I, I fucking love him. There, there's not a time where I don't watch a match with him that I don't kind of, I don't at least get a little bit of a chuckle going. Sometimes I got a full on like, like roaring laugh too. Like they, he does an awesome job. He's so he might be the best in the
1: business at the comedy stuff, you know. And it, they really don't shove him down your throat either. It's not like he's on every show, you know what I mean? So that, I think that helps too because his stuff is done in small doses. Uh, so I, I think that helps. Uh, next up, we got Masaki Mochizuki and Don Fuji taking on Takahiro Yamamura and Kaito Ishida, two of the young rookies in Dragon Gate that everybody's raving about, against the two oldest guys in Dragon Gate in Mochizuki and Fuji. Rich, I don't know about you. I cannot wait for this. I mean.
0: Yeah, that's That's my favorite match on this entire card, believe it or not. Like, it's a stack card, but I looked at that and I went, ooh, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, you've got that.
1: this whole rookie versus veteran thing that Dragon Gate has going, and you got the two, you know, Mochizuki's just a grumpy motherfucker. And Don Fuji, when he wants to be, can be a grumpy motherfucker.
0: <laughs> Oh, absolutely.
1: And, and and against these... What he
0: wants to be. He's, he, every time on a big show, he's trying to throw somebody off from the top of the balcony. Like, yeah. He's an asshole. Like, he's a piece of shit. Like, it's perfect. No, he's great. I, I think with this match, every time they tag, they should just switch cigarettes. Like, they should have one cigarette that they just pass between the two of them. And, like, every time they tag out, it's like, all right, you take it. Right, you they, really, like, you know,
1: hey. and, and they should swig whiskey.
0: Yeah, like a half open or like a half open, like old style or like a yeah, old style is kind of a Chicago brand. I'm trying to figure out what the the everyday man's beer would be. Um,
1: what is old style? What is that?
0: It's just a really shitty Chicago beer. I I, I use it. It's very it's, it's central to like like really like kind of like rough old like fat like you know like stained you know okay, so, t shirt so, so, guy so, on his porch drinks that on the on like the south side of Chicago. It's one of those like beers. So
1: Bruiser and Crusher drink old style.
0: Yeah, exactly. Right, right. It's
1: Dick the Bruiser's beer of choice. Yo,
0: yeah, oh, Dick the Bruiser, yeah, absolutely.
1: Okay, I, I think I'm picking up he what you He sits you're on his porch
0: at. and just, like, talks about, like, minorities and drinks old style all day. Gotcha, like, gotcha. All
1: right, so, yeah, but, I mean, yeah, so they, these guys should uh, give a thorough beating to these rookies who will show their fire. But this is going to be your classic uh, grumpy veterans versus rookies match, and uh, it should be a lot of fun. And we've got BB Hulk and KZ versus Jimmy Susumu and Big R Shimizu. Um, I don't have a real good feel for this. Susumu and Kajitora had a run with the Twin Gate, which was ended by Shima and Dragon Kid, and they've sort of... Uh, uh, two of my favorite guys, Susumu and Kajitora, in terms of bell to bell. But they've sort of gone their separate ways here for this show. Uh, this feels like uh, just a match that's sort of thrown together to get these yeah. guys on the card, um, but it could be very good. Big R is a guy who you cannot take your eyes off of. One thing I've noticed with this company... They've got a lot of young power juniors, you know. For For years and years, Shingo was, you know, the, the power junior in Dragon Gate. And, of course, there's Cyber Kong, but he stinks, so nobody really counts him. But now you've got all these young power juniors like Big R Shimizu and Ben Benkei and Lindemann. You know, these guys are all going to come into their own together, and you might see a subtle st- – style shift. If, and, and Absolutely. T, yeah. T-Hawk's another one, right? So it's like if these guys all fulfill their potential and become stars like we think they will, you could see a subtle style shift in Dragon Gate over the next decade where things maybe slow down a little bit and you have these power juniors coming to the forefront. And then you'll have Shingo as sort of the grumpy elder statesman as he enters his Masaki Mochizuki phase of his career. Because right now he's the smack dab in his prime, Right. But as these young guys enter their prime, is gonna be in the grumpy veteran stage, he'll still be around. There's a nice collection of power juniors. It makes you want you know it makes me want them to bury the hatchet with a Suji Kondo and bring him back, because he'd fit right in with this group.
0: It's kind of crazy too that that, that you mentioned. It. I'm glad you did because I was going through the uh, the New Japan ebook and I'm looking at a lot of the young boys of, of New Japan or whatever, and I'm looking. I'm like, these guys are all like really tiny dudes. Like even a Yohei Komatsu, you think like, wow, he's pretty big, and it's like he's like five seven, five six. You know what I mean? Like he's not a big dude at all. And like really, the only big guy that they have, it, I mean, obviously there there was a Cody Hall, but I, I don't think that's happening ever again. And I don't think that's really a guy you build around anyway. But then like you have Hanari and he's he's not any good, and I don't think he's ever going to get very good. And then you have the the mysterious heavyweight who are just under lock and key, you know, stuck in the safe or whatever. But, yeah, the rest of them, the ones that you see normally are all kind of little guys or whatever. So it's kind of funny that that Dragon Gate of all all companies is the one that just has a plethora of, like, power dudes that are ready to come up. You would just never assume that Dragon Gate would be the one that would have that. And then, like, a New Japan has basically a ton of, you know, future juniors, a bunch of future, you know, high-flying dudes or, or grappling, you know, type guys, but no, like, big dudes, no heavyweights on that entire roster, and, and the same kind of goes for a lot of other companies as well, I mean, yeah, there's a few guys there, your Higuchis, your, your Kitamitas and all those sort of guys, but you can really count on one hand the amount of, like, big power dudes that are around elsewhere, except for Dragate, who's got, like, four of them. It's crazy. And, and Big Rush Shimizu, we don't talk about him as a young... He's 24 years old, you know what I mean? Like, we get lost in these, you know, talking about that 10-man and all these super young dudes. Big Rush is 24 years old. He seems like an elder statesman at this point. He's 24. Like, he hasn't even scratched the surface of what he's capable of doing. So they they are... Man, Dragon Gate, if you want to get in, man, this, these next 10 years are going to be fascinating for this company.
1: It's, it's, I did the math a couple weeks ago. I don't remember exactly what it was. But they have like 13 wrestlers that are under 25.
0: Right, it's not fair. I think Case Low and I. One time when you were missing, it, I think Case Low. I, I think that that show might have gotten lost to the ether or whatever. But we said that you can honestly lop off like five of those dudes and still have enough guys. You know what I mean? Like if, if five of them just said, "I ah, screw, it, we're quitting right now and going to you know all Japan or whatever," or just throw a random company out, they'd still be fine. Like you know what I mean? Like here's just- the
1: thing: they're not all gonna work out.
0: Right, exactly. But, and that's but, but th- if you bring ten to the yeah, you bring ten to the party, you're, you're going to be good. Yeah, and, and like you said, Big R feels
1: like he's been around for a few years now. Yusuke Santa Maria is under twenty five, right? L <laughs> Lindemann is what like twenty one. I, I mean, it's it's and it's crazy how good Lindemann is at that age. And it's like there's 13 of them under 25. They're not all going to be, you know, if they all became stars, Dragon Gate would be challenging WWE for the number one promotion on earth. They're not all going to become stars. They're not even all going to make it. Some of them are going to, you know, retire young or get hurt or lose interest in wrestling or, or get lost in the shuffle. But when you've got 13, and they're all talented, when you have 13 super talented wrestlers under the age of 25 working, and here's the other thing, Rich. They're working with this world-class roster of veterans. I mean, they're in there with some of the best wrestlers in the world. I think that's part of the reason that these Dragon Gate rookies are so good so fast. Look who they're working with.
0: Yeah. Well, we have a question later that, that someone yeah, asked we about get that, a which is perfect. On that, yeah, right.
1: But, I mean, so just this, this roster is just so deep and so loaded with the young talent. And Big R is one of those guys. Now we've got Open the Brave Gate as we get into the business end of the card here. Ata uh, against Jimmy Cajetora. Like we said, the Cajetora-Susumu team. Uh, lost the titles, and they're sort of going on their own paths here for this pay-per-view cycle. Cajetor challenges for the Brave Gate against Aeta. Uh, There's a lot of matches on this card that you can say are the sleeper match on the card. This is my sleeper match on the card because Jimmy Cajetor has always been a guy, and I've always said this. He is your typical Dragon Gate guy who, when he's not featured, you forget he exists. But when he's given something to do, and he's featured, and he's given something important to focus on, He is legitimately one of the best wrestlers in the world. This guy is so good and so talented, but he's smart. He saves his body when he's working the opening six-man that we talked about earlier that doesn't mean anything. He saves his body when he's not featured. But when he's in something that's important, this guy turns it up. And Aeta's having a great year, particularly the second half of the year.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's been awesome.
1: Ever since the um, King of Gate. Where he had a tremendous King of Gate, those two great matches against Sakura Tozawa. Uh, he has just been tremendous. I think this is the right timing with the right two guys. To me, this is the sleeper match on the show. I really don't have a good feel who's going to win. Our staff went 2 1 in favor of Aeta. Uh, there is a chance Kajatora could win this. I, I You know, if you put a gun to my head, I think Aeta's going to retain. I think he should retain. Rich, what do you think? Do of, are you, are yeah. you as high on this match as I am?
0: I am, yeah. And Ketisora is perfect that you mentioned that, that he is absolutely that guy that I kind of forget. You know, he's in these openers. You're just kind of like, oh, yeah, he's he's fine. And then, like, bi yearly, he just pops up in these, these big time title matches and he absolutely kills it each and every time. It's crazy. Like, Dragon Kid is a lot like that for me as well, where you kind of forget and he's kind of, you know, comes on the opener, he does a little break dancing, he's kind of fun and all that sort of stuff. And you forget that when that guy's in a big time spot, and we'll talk about it uh, later because he is in a big time spot in this card, he absolutely kills. And Dragon Kid is so great with those sort of guys where these guys know perfectly where they are on the card and, and you know, you can criticize it for the effort thing, but I I, I don't criticize it at all. I think it's the best thing to do is when you're in an opener with eight other dudes, you know, let it get in, get out, you know, do your thing or whatever. When you're in a big time match, that's when you put all your effort in. That's when you kill it. You don't, you know, you're not going to kill yourself in a five minute opener with with how with Ishikawa. Like, why would you do that? So I love that. I love that aspect where these guys really then when they're in that big title match, when they're in that big moment, they step it up. And Katsudori is one of the best. I mean, he is. And and we're gonna have that. It happens every single time with him. That same conversation of, oh my god, I forgot how good he is. Like it happens like twice a year. I, I, I like like clockwork. The Jimmy Katsudori, you know, awesome big time match comes and everybody goes, oh my god, he's so great. I forgot he was so great. Uh, Susumu, you know, his former tag team partner is very similar in that sense too. He always, you know, anytime there's a big-time singles match with Sumo, he always kills it, too. And you see that same thing where, oh, man, I forget how great he is. Like, it's easy to forget how great a lot of these guys are. But, yeah, I, I'm all into this match, too. I think it's going to be incredible. It's, it's one of the big reasons why I think this entire show is awesome because, like, talk about two matches right there, the Mochizuki Fuji and then against the Young Boys. And then this one, I mean, those are two matches that, you know, are just kind of, you know, the second and fourth match on the card but could be my two of my favorite matches on the entire show. And that's not even counting the other stuff, which all looks really good as well. So, yeah, I, I love this show.
1: Uh next is the Triangle Gate match, which I noticed there's an error on our preview, so we'll get that fixed before anybody hears this uh this podcast. But uh they they've got uh, on our preview, Rich, it, they've got Susumu listed in this match for some reason.
0: Ooh, I'm uh, gonna go fix that right now as we
1: speak. I don't think uh I don't know.
0: Not doing double duty. No, I don't think. <laughs> I think Susumu's, doing Susumu's duty. in
1: this triangle gate match. I'm, uh, I'm I'm a little confused. There, so uh, our, our sheet's a little screwed up. It's, uh, it's the uh, open the triangle gate three way match. It's Genki Horiguchi, Jimmy Saito, and Jimmy Kanda. There's no Jimmy Susumu in this match. Uh, and then the other two teams are Masato Yoshino, Kotoka, and Ben K, and the berserk team of Cyber Kong, Mondai Ryu, and L Lindeman. The big story here, Rich, is Ben K is in the title match on Final Gate uh, very early into his career, uh, teaming with Yoshino and Katoka. This is the guy that we've been raving about. He's not all the way there in terms of his ring work, certainly not all the way there um, in terms of catching up to the rest of this super talented roster. But of all the Dragon Gate rookies, he is the one with the presence. He is the one with um, the obvious uh, star charisma, and it's going to be fascinating to watch his career grow, I love. I don't. I'm not in love. I wasn't in love with the name Ben K at first. Now I know that it's a uh, ancient Japanese samurai warrior sort of mystical character, uh, based on a an, a, an actual, uh, uh, I guess, Japanese fable of some sort. And that's also has what has inspired his new ring gear. So now I'm kind of more into it because that fits him like a t. To be completely Absolutely, honest with yeah.
0: you, and well, that's one of those things where, or sometimes as as Western fans, we we lose track of that where we all laughed at the name because it's like well it sounds like ben gay you know what i mean like that's all the first thing i thought i was like well that's a silly name and we don't know the context of yeah, it and why is why is he
1: a muscle ointment you know
0: right exactly yeah why is he a muscle ointment and why is he wearing a gi and now it makes all the sense in the world so right so
1: you know if you look up the ben k character on, on wikipedia or whatever it did you know it's he's like this ancient uh you know warrior or whatnot and i think the look works for him i mean it's the right look for him you know, and and but he's in a, another big match scenario here. He's been in a lot of big matches for such a. young know, It's very clear that they see the upward potential on this guy. So um, I I don't I don't know that they're going to put a, a title on him this soon. I don't see the Berserk team winning because there's two clowns on that side with Mondai Ryu and uh, yeah and Cyber yeah. Kong teaming with Lindeman but Lindeman too has been great since this heel turn with that rope do you enjoy the rope gimmick right
0: now. oh I love it. I love a good rope yeah I like a good you know, rope.
1: know so but... uh, and then you got of course the, the Jimmy team look these three-way <laughs> triangle matches can yeah. be get crazy sometimes they, they can be hit or miss there's a couple of shitty wrestlers in here um, I do like what they've done with Katoka where he kind of disappeared for a while, then he does like these random run-ins. He was Doctor Muscle a few weeks ago on a show as a as a surprise, as he uh, as he battles his former Vizera. So there's a lot of storyline stuff going on here too, but uh, but we'll see. And our our group, of course, this is where they all feel that the Yoshino Katoka Benkei team is going to win the titles.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with them as well. So
1: I, well, there you go. I I'm not so certain uh, that I agree with the four of you. So maybe I'll be the dope that looks wrong next week. Uh, I don't think the Veserve team will win, uh, but it, 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 you know, the, I think uh, Katoka interacting with his former stablemates is going to be fun in that match. We've got the Twin Gate match, Shima and Dragon Kid. They're defending against Shingo and T-Hawk. Look, we've been critical of T-Hawk as a babyface. I think he works much better as a heel. Oh, 100 yeah. percent. And there isn't a better person for him to be paired with and learn from than Shingo, who might be the best heel in wrestling this year. This guy is such a prick. Um, he does the the, uh, the the high school Letterman gym class bully routine, which is one of my favorite gimmicks of all time. I love that. I love that stuff. Uh, vintage Kurt Angle, vintage Scott Steiner. Uh, I, I just I, I love that gimmick. Um, and, and Shingo does it as well or better than anybody. I thought you nailed it on the head several months ago. It was something I hadn't even thought about, but now I can't forget it because it was such an incredible point that you nailed when you said Shingo was in the midst of the best year of his career, and he is. 2016 has been without question the best year of Shingo's career, and by extension, the last few months of 2015 as well, when when he really got the ball rolling here, he is just a badass motherfucker. I mean, there's no other way to describe him. You can't take your eyes off him when he's in the ring. He's just such a, you know, first of all, he's big enough and strong enough to just maul people and, and, and have the credibility to be a killer. But what's great about him, Rich, is he takes shortcuts anyway, and he still does cheap,
0: dirty tactics right that makes it more frustrating and that's that's something that WWE never seems to get with with big time heels is that's the best thing is when a heel can you know that he could beat somebody you know he could win but he chooses to cheat and it's like man you're an asshole like we're Kevin Owens now like and I I don't mean to kind of get WWE in a gate but it's a perfect juxtaposition of what Dragon gate does with it is Shingo you know Shingo can beat somebody but he's a fuckwad, so he doesn't. You know, he cheats to do it because he's an or asshole. Harry, and he's, like, T- he's lazy. He's like a kind of a lazy and asshole. He just takes sometimes. cheap
1: shots because he's a right. dick. Like, right, he's just he a like, he- like, he'll attack a guy after a match for no reason just to be a dick. You know, and it's like, and you're right with Kevin Owens. What they're telling you is, look, he wouldn't be able to win these matches without Christian. Jer-
0: Right, they don't tell you that with Shingo. Shingo can win when he wants to, and there's many times in this year where he's just said straight up, "Okay, screw it, I'm just going to kill you in this match, and I'm not going to cheat or whatever. I'm just going to show that I'm better than you." But then, you know, there's also the times too where he's blaming Leg Day, he's doing that. You know what I mean? Like he's so good at just every. Oh man, they got it with him. They just understand so perfectly, and and he's such a good heel in the same sense that you know I find it funny what he does, and I enjoy his stuff, but I want to see the fucker lose. You know what I mean? Like I I, like, and that's hard to do. That's really hard to do with me, where like he's kind of a cool, quote unquote, cool heel or whatever but Dragon Gate is so good at making these baby faces so much better that you want to see those guys get the revenge on him, especially when it's guys like a, a Dragon Kid is a perfect example we saw it a lot with um, uh, uh, um, like a Sechioka Boy earlier in the year where it's same guy it's like yeah. yeah I love Shingo as the cool heel but man I really want Sechioka Boy just to fuck God up you cause... want
1: Boy to get a whole,
0: thing. yeah
1: like... that's one of those running Dragon Gate stories that's like n- never gonna end which is what's cool about that you know what I mean but it's like Shingo to me and I haven't filled out my ballot yet for the Open the Voice Gate Dragon Gate Awards, which I we should plug as well.
0: I've been a bad boy about that, too. Yeah, we, we need to do
1: that. Uh, we got a, uh, another week and a half or so to get it in. But Shingo to me has been the Dragon Gate Wrestler of the Year, and I'm going to vote for him uh, in those awards because he's the most compelling person in the company to me. In a company where they do a good job creating, uh, making everybody compelling, honestly. But he's just, I cannot take my eyes off this guy. I mean, I legitimately, I'm trying to find a way to get him onto my observer ballot, into my Flair Thez top three. I wouldn't give him number one. I don't think he deserves that. And it, honestly, he probably doesn't deserve to be in the top three either, but I may give him that third slot as sort of a vanity pick just to recognize the, how great he's been been this year
0: yeah an honorable and honorable achievement or an, <laughs> an achievement award or whatever yeah I see that I, see I that. use
1: the phrase a lot but I cannot take my eyes off this man when he's in a wrestling ring because he's been that compelling and you're right when he's in there and he's in these matches with these baby faces the, the finishing stretches are so dramatic because the matches are worked in such a way where you just it's like you, you can't help but rally around these baby faces and want them to beat this guy he's the he's one of the best bully characters to come down the pike in, in years, I mean, and it's like, it's you know, Scott. I mentioned Scott Steiner before when he was you know the Steiner classic Steiner brothers when they were in WCW, and he was kind of this just. But see, he wasn't even aware he was doing that sort of character. It's just Scott Steiner was so stiff and so nasty with his throws that he just came off that way. Shingo is 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 self aware that he's doing this gimmick, and he's just so fucking great this is what he was made to do these futile attempts to make him a baby face that have never worked I mean this is the role that Shingo was made for and the point that I'm circling back to that I wanted to make before we started throwing roses at his feet is that there's no better person to pair t with to sort of get that fire out of him I think what's missing with t all the talent is there but Rich he just comes off as like this blank slate as a guy who just doesn't get how to project himself and pairing, and he might be the next generation Shingo, where it's not going to work as a babyface for this guy. Maybe he's the next great Dragon Gate heel for the next generation. Uh, and, and 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 who better to sit under the learning tree of than Shingo, who's just the best at this. And, and, and you know, so I, I do. I love this pairing. I think that they'll win the titles. I think that they should win the titles. Our reviewers disagree. Uh, two out of three disagree. John Carroll's with me, okay. John Carroll says Shingo and T Hawk will win. Michael Spears and K Low have uh, I think Shima and Dragon Kid will retain. I don't see the point in Shima and Dragon Kid retaining. I really don't. I think this is a great opportunity to put the titles on Shingo and T Hawk, and sort of this be uh, T Hawk's uh, uh, sort, of, sort of this run can be sort of his his learning experience to work with a guy who he should be molding himself after. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I said a lot there, Rich. I said-
0: you did. No, you got it. I mean, I, I think you nailed it with, the, with, with T-Hawk and Shingo kind of being on the same learning tree. As far as the match, I don't know. Um, I could go either way with it. I don't know that, that it really matters all that much. I just, I, I 100% agree with your point of, of T-Hawk and Shingo being just a perfect match. We saw the T-Hawk baby face thing just does not work and probably won't work. I, I mean, it might take many years before it does work. He kind of comes across the same way as kind of, he looks like a dickhead sort of, you know what I mean? Like, he looks like a piece of he shit, has, so it's, he's, it's good. He charisma. Yeah, like, he, he really does. And, like, he didn't have the face. Oh, we saw that. I mean, it was just an absolute bomb as a babyface. He sort of slowly built himself up, built himself up. And, yeah, there's the potential that he could be a decent babyface, but I think he could, could be an awesome heel and an awesome dickhead heel in the same vein as Shingo. So I 100% agree him and Shingo as, as a pairing um, works and, and and works real well. So I hope they they keep with it. Whether they win the titles or not, whether they win this match or not, I, I don't know in the grand scheme if it really matters all that much. So
1: When you think about T-Hawk and all of uh, – if you think about T-Hawk and think about – all of the things you've enjoyed about him over the years in Dragon Gate, they've all come as a heel. Yeah. If you really stop and think about that, going all the way back to the fake Naoki Tanizaki stuff in 2011, where he was sort of a comedy deal where he was like this imitation Naoki Tanizaki complete with the fake tattoo on his back. You know what I mean? And it's like, even then like all of his best, you know, winning King of Chop all the time, you know, it's like, even going all the way back to his earliest days, he's always been best. All of his best moments are as a heel. The guys just some people are just heels, you know what I mean? Um, so I and so I, I I do think that this is the best role for him. Now the main event, the Open the Dream Gate match, Yamato defending against Doi. I, I, again, this company makes me feel stupid sometimes. We really should have seen this match coming all year long. I don't know why I didn't see this coming. It's a testament to Dragon Gate. Making the obvious not obvious. You know what I mean when I say That's that? That's
0: hard. Yeah, it's not easy and, to and, do. And, that is very difficult. And
1: they find a way to make the obvious not obvious. I mean, the Rookie Doi, uh, speaking of great heels, I mean, there's no one on earth who's a better heel than this guy. And it's like you just don't ever, when he's a heel, you just don't picture him ever not being, It's just, they just really hit you up the side the head with things. And, and, and it's a big surprise. And, you know, you had the big... uh uh, I always forget the name of the big cage match, Rich. What do they call that thing?
0: Oh, why am I blanking on it too? Cage—it's not the cage of death. At why the, did I think cage of yes, death? Because cage, cage
1: of death just happened. It's fresh in mind. I guess so. fresh been, in you been been mind. You've been watching your cage of death tapes. I, and of and course, I've been watching my and, CZW. And it, 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 it's, it's been committed to memory because you can't stop watching uh, <laughs> cage of death because you're a big fan of the cage of death.
0: I love but, it. Uh, but we not figure this out. Big, we're the, really the big deception
1: where Doi deceived you. Doi is the best at the big deception moments. But uh, but he goes after Yamato here. It's
0: the Dead or Alive. Or 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 is or yeah, Another I mean, name to it. Is uh, it Dead
1: or Alive? Yeah, but yeah, yeah.
0: But uh, okay, we're uh, it's Sorry.
1: I'm surprised that Case Lowe thinks Doi's winning this. I, I, I think Yamato should win this. Yeah, um, I, agree. I agree. I don't think the Yamato's been on any kind of legendary run here or anything like that. But I do think he um, deserves a little more time with the title. So I, I think he should win. I guess it's it's similar to my opinion of the Twin Gate. I think that Shima, I'm sorry, I think that uh, Shingo and T Hawk should win. Maybe more so than I than, than than I am confident that they will win. Same thing here. I think that Yamato should win, but I'm not confident that he will win.
0: All right, final gate.
1: You good? Uh yeah. I'm. That's that's every match, my friend.
0: Yep, that's it. So we are we are all set with that. Of course, as mentioned, um, we have a preview up on the website right now, voiceswrestling.com, to check that out or open the VoiceGate crew. Uh, dove into that. We'll also have a review up uh, probably a few days after it airs. Uh, hopefully the next day, but it's always tough. You know, you never know. What, especially on Christmas morning, <laughs> asking a reviewer to wake up at 2 a.m. to uh, to review Dragon Gate is not always the easiest thing to ask. But uh, we're all nutcases, so there, I'm sure there will be plenty of people that will do it. And I, I can't imagine a better way to start your Christmas morning. Uh, Than doing it at like 1 a.m. and watching Dragon Gate while doing it, but uh, definitely a good show there that looks real fun. So, Joe, are you ready for these questions?
1: I look, I, I don't really have a choice, right? I guess I'm, I guess real Yeah.
0: Well, what else do, What else do you want to talk about, sir?
1: I think we all these know, topics on our it. giant it's, it's list. It's question yeah, time. It's question
0: time. Yeah. These are, these are good questions. I, I really do. Our listeners do a fantastic job with these questions. By the way, voiceswrestling.com slash forums uh, as well, if you want to jump in uh, anytime we do ask for questions. And also make sure you follow us at voiceswrestling on Twitter. That's when we uh, usually will we'll ask for questions. We'll have you go to the forums to ask them. But uh, a lot of really good stuff here. So I'll start off first uh, Christmas related here uh, with a man that we will celebrate Christmas with on uh, F4Wonline.com pretty soon. Hint, hint. Um, yeah, in about two days or so. Uh, if you go to 4wonline.com, we will be celebrating Christmas with this man and uh, the great Alan Coohan but uh, Joe Gagne asks, what is the best and worst wrestling-related Christmas gifts that you two have ever received?: Do you have any Christmas gifts? Joe?:
1: Have I got- Yes, yes, Rich. I've received Christmas gifts. Okay. Um.
0: What about wrestling-related Christmas gifts?
1: You know, that's the thing. I don't think: I've, I, was gonna say, I don't think yeah. I've ever received a wrestling-related Christmas gift. In my life, I don't think I have. I think my family knows that I have this stupid obsession, but they like to pretend that I don't. So I, 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 I don't think I've ever received a wrestling-related Christmas gift. I can't think of one, good or That's bad.
0: No figures, no video games. Not
1: a, I'm not a figure guy.
0: Not a DVD, but even even like uh, even little little oh, Joey Lanza. I was a Child. Yeah. Oh, uh
1: you know what? Now that I think about it, I I, I I did receive okay. All right, I have a good answer for this. You you've refreshed the okay, memory, thank you. Yep. I was probably about nine years old. And I did I received, Is this best uh, or worst, by the is, way? This is bad, and you're gonna see why it's bad. okay, all right. <laughs> I received the uh you remember the old uh uh the LJN WWE wrestling figures. The, yeah, of course, yeah. The the, the rigid hard rubber ten inch deals, okay? I got.
0: Uh, <laughs> that's a clip right there. Oh by my, the way, yeah, that one.
1: take that one. Out. Right it's there, XO.
0: there you go, Chris. Ten-inch <laughs> rubber
1: deal. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I think you said hard ten-inch rubber <laughs> deal too. Absolutely. <laughs> that that's going in there for they sure. They come with so. batteries. Uh, but, yeah,
0: you know, gotta, gotta keep it going. Yeah, so. Well, Rich,
1: are you a fan of that? Uh, are you, Rich, are you a fan of the marital aids?
0: No, I am As not. As I
1: make Rich incredibly uncomfortable.
0: <laughs> Just continue your story, sir.
1: Um, I think Rich is a fan of the marital aids. I'm I not. Think, I don't do I think anything, I want to. No. I think. Listen, I think I got to take a look in the nightstand when I head to the Crete residence <laughs> today to see what kind of marital aids they got going on. Listen, yeah. I don't kink shame, Rich. I'm the last person to kink shame. Believe
0: me. There's there's no time for um, for kinks, Joe. But go th- on. so
1: anyway, the 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 old LJN figures <laughs> I received. Uh, Hulk Hogan and Big John Stud that year for Christmas, and I also received. A ring. The problem, Rich, is my mother, in her confusion, she purchased the AWA wrestling ring.
0: Oh no. Now, they were
1: the small <laughs> figures.
0: Galoob, right?
1: I, I forget the company.
0: <laughs> I think it was Galoob. But the
1: AWA figures, if you recall, they all had the same body, like the sculpted Lex Luger body, but then they would just put the rubber head of each wrestler on. So like Ric Flair would have the same physique a oh,
0: Remco. They were Remco, yes. I believe.
1: And Ric Flair would have, like, the same physique as Road Warrior Hawk, who would have the same physique as, 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 uh, as Lightning Steve Regal, who would have the same physique as, as Scott Irwin. You know what I mean? Because they would all have the same body. They'd all be ripped to shreds like the Ultimate Warrior, but they would all just have their own head, right? But these figures were much smaller than the WWE figures, so the ring was smaller as well. So, I, I had to try to manipulate these giant WWE figures <laughs> in the tiny AWA ring uh, because, hey, look, that's not my mother. So, what does she know? She saw wrestling figures and a wrestling ring. I've, I could see why she would think it would all go together. Sure. But it did not. But even at nine, Rich, or eight or nine, or whatever I was, you, you would be happy to know that even though I knew my mother fucked up, I did not make her feel bad about it. And I've never brought up that she purchased me in the wrong ring.
0: You should do it this year. You should I should
1: absolutely bury her six feet under for buying. It. She won't even remember. Like, you know what? I've <laughs> yeah, she, she won't care. I've been holding this back for thirty years, but you need to know that it is that you bought me the wrong ring at you know Christmas nineteen eighty seven, and I haven't been able to let it go. And and it, it is framed to it. It's the reason that I can't kink shame because you've ruined me, and I'm this I'm, I'm I'm this man ruined mentally because you got me the wrong ring. You're right. I should bury her for that.
0: So that was both the best and worst that you ever got.
1: I was appreciative of the wrestling figures, Rich, but it was the wrong ring.
0: Yes, yes. So my, my best and worst, my best is probably my dad uh, getting me WrestleMania 2000 for N64. Uh, and then he like, so it was this thing where I opened it and then it was like the the immediate guilt trip was like, hey, do you know what I went through to get that damn game? And I was like, what? And he's like, it wasn't like, because it wasn't available anywhere. And he worked for a trucking company at this time. So he had like his drivers like opening boxes to try to find this thing and like, you know, breaking into Kmart's at like 2 a.m. when they made deliveries to see if they could find, like, he went through just a, a tons of, probably illegal stuff. God only knows where that, that game actually came from or if he actually paid for it but uh he was very happy that I, I enjoyed it but then he also told me yeah just 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 so you know i went through hell to give you this thing uh so there you go but um the worst wrestling I ever one i got it i think it was last year or the year prior i think last year my like it, so they still know i watch wrestling and at, at, Pathetically, I am still, you know, despite being 30 years old, that you know, my, I still get gifts from my aunts, and they get me wrestling gifts because I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a child. But, um, they ha- they got me. I, I unwrap it, and it is the Triple H Blu-ray, Thy Kingdom Come, <laughs> <laughs> which like which there's two there's a double edge. So okay, a it's Triple H, and I wouldn't be if you put a gun to my head and said, watch Thy Kingdom Come, I wouldn't do it. But then two, like even the idea that like hey, it has matches on it is lost because I have the WWE network. You know what I mean? Like there's no need for me to have this DVD at all. It is still in the shrink wrap. It is in a drawer. I am never gonna open it. But I was just kinda like, oh okay, great. Like and they're like, oh yeah, you know, I thought you'd really like that. And I was like, yeah, you know, yeah. like I'd never heart to tell them like I don't want to watch a documentary about Triple H and i don't need to watch the matches because i can just go on the network and watch them and i wouldn't be bothered watching triple h matches on my free time anyway but uh thank you anyway what, what, so yeah. what would
1: be worse getting that or getting randy orton the viper, on <laughs> oh,
0: yeah, like, the what, viper what would yeah. be the worst uh it might come this year i'll, I'll give an update yeah. uh, after this christmas but uh because did did i'm you, sure did it was you, in you, like the walmart bin and like they were just like oh rich likes wrestling like you know what i mean did
1: you did you make your aunt feel bad does she know that no
0: no i was like oh great yeah no yeah, yeah, yeah. like oh you can't
1: do it right like any kind of bad gift i i it's like uh, you know no, it's like
0: they—they they asked me though, "oh, do you have that one already" thing. And I was like, no, 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 I don't. They're oh, like, I can't oh wait, good! Yeah. Like I don't know. I know you have a lot of wrestling things. I was like, yeah, no, I don't have this one. So uh, I was like, yeah, I can't okay. wait. We should just throw it in the bag and, and never talk we about it again. Watch so... this! Yeah, this is gonna be fantastic. <laughs> like Kingdom Come, great. Yeah. Kingdom... So there you go. That was he's uh, wanted like
1: the crown on the cover, right? And he's like, the, yeah, yeah, it's a crown skull. and the skull,
0: and it's yeah. I, I don't even know what the context of it. I don't want to watch. it I don't care. I don't, like
1: the, the match, I don't
0: need the Triple H story told. Yeah, I got buried after the, the you know curtain call. And you know, yeah, listen, okay, I'm sure right.
1: there's a 12 minute segment on the uh, on the on the hog pen match or the, 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 <laughs> the Henry Godwin. Uh, they they love the pound at home that he was. In.
0: They do, yeah. He was punished by doing a hog pen match, right? Right. 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 Yeah. yeah, he was punished by getting a ton of intercontinental title matches too. And, I'm sure
1: the match. Matches on that DVD are horrendous. I mean, yeah, let's
0: actually. I'm going to look at the list here right now. Um, I mean, to see if I would even want to watch it. Okay, here you go. Okay, uh, disc two. We have uh, Jean Paul Levesque versus Ricky Steamboat from WCW Saturday Night.
1: Okay, that'd be interesting to watch.
0: Yeah, that's fine. Uh, Triple H versus Dude Love from One Night Only in September
1: '97. I, I don't know. Don't yeah, remember. I
0: it, uh, uh, we got Iron Man match. The Rock versus Triple H from Judgment Day. Right up your alley, Joe. Hey, an iron man match oh, with triple, triple h in it h. don't that match is terrible
1: i can't that it's can't just, be good so, yeah. basically what this comes down to is anything from 2000 is probably pretty good and everything else is mediocre or stinks right i mean it's yeah
0: exactly story. we got we got a no dq triple h kurt angle from unforgiven i remember that being okay 2000 uh, now right or yeah yeah there's still 2000 oh disc three okay I, I was here live for this the uh backlash 2001 triple h and stone cold versus undertaker and kane that fucking sucks so bad match uh, yep. And then we skip uh, many years. Uh, we jumped to 2003 with Triple H versus Rob Van Dam from Raw. I
1: no recollection of that. <laughs>
0: I remember that either. Uh, Last Man Standing, Shawn Michaels versus Triple H in Royal Rumble 2004. That was all
1: right. I a lot of, yeah. that, a lot of people didn't like that. I thought it was all right.
0: Yeah, it was fine. Uh, Triple H versus Ric Flair Road to WrestleMania Tournament uh, Tournament match. Hmm. Uh, in 2006, I, I have no recollection of that either. Me neither. Uh Triple H versus King Booker SummerSlam 2007.
1: That's not the famous. Super
0: no, H it's not. H- I don't Kinker know what the hell match. that one is. It's 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 dubbed return from injury. So I'm sure he was just gassed out of his mind <laughs> as well, which is usually not uh, not a good Triple H. Uh Last Man Standing Triple H versus Randy Orton from No Mercy 2007. You into that?
1: Oh god. Good <laughs> you... oh, god.
0: <laughs> I don't yeah. even
1: want to sit down and try that to confirm that I hate it. I I, yeah. I,
0: <laughs> I know that I hate it. I'm not gonna watch it but I hate don't it. They, yes. Don't
1: some of these matches sound exhausting to sit
0: Yeah, I am already like just... I would get through like I get through like that first like that Robin Hood and Triple H and I'd probably shut it off and never watch it again. So uh and then we got a Triple H was Chris Jericho from Raw two thousand nine and that is it. So yeah, there you go.
1: Man, they didn't even do a good job picking the matches.
0: No, they didn't. Let's, I mean, uh... not
1: look, look at it this way. They didn't do a good job picking matches from a match quality standpoint or really a historical standpoint.
0: No, they just – it's like some guy just had a roulette wheel and just was like, yeah, all right, whatever, Triple H, Randy. They Randy did him. a whatever. job. <laughs> like, Those
1: aren't even, like, his most iconic no. matches. Like, how are, like, the Undertaker ma- – was this released before the Undertaker matches or –
0: Uh, no, I think it was after. I think, I thought they have another, they have another Triple H DVD too. I forgot what it's called, but this is like the third rate Triple H DVD. I think there's another one. There's like a King of Kings. Yeah, there's like a King of Kings one, and then there's like The Game, another one too. I'm looking it up right now. So he's got three, so So they probably didn't want to, you know, repeat So is this the
1: WCW Pro of Triple H DVDs? I think so, yeah. yeah. So Yeah. So even from that perspective, it's like, even if you're a fan, this isn't a good DVD.
0: Yeah, I think that's the case. So that's it's...
1: a poor gift. Well, you blew me away. I Yeah, you know, like, sorry. you'd probably take my AWA ring right about now.
0: Boy, jeez. Yeah. All right, so right. Let's move on to the next <laughs> next question. Were you
1: were you gazing at the back of that DV, uh, the back of that
0: Yeah, know, I'm just looking like, at like the chapter covers. titles.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm just trying to see like the chapter titles. is, Ho- exactly... is
1: Pen Match a Chapter.
0: <laughs> it is not an entire <laughs> chapter, but it's it, it's the same, it's, it's exactly as you would assume uh, a Triple H DVD Title to be so, uh, all right, we'll move on here. Head Cheese, good friend Head Cheese asks, Does WWE have too many people signed? Too many people on that damn roster, Joe?
1: Um, because
0: there's a lot. I, I, I there, know, it's...
1: I just feel like I, I don't know if there's too many people signed. I feel like they, they don't, from the perspective of they don't know how to properly utilize their roster, yes. Do I think that with the amount of hours of TV that they have, they that they could properly utilize their roster? Absolutely. So it's a tricky question to answer. I do think there's too many people in the Performance Center, but that ties into another question we're going to answer.
0: Absolutely. So we'll get to that here in a little bit. But yeah, I tend to agree. I think um, the raw number of people doesn't bother me, but the use of, you know... 70% of those people does bother me that that those guys, there's a lot of use that you could have with all these different guys and all these talented dudes. And, you know, of course you're bringing in more guys, you're bringing in the UK guys, you're bringing in these sort of things. Like they have a just an insanely talented roster, but yeah, the, the key is utilizing them and, and, and doing a little bit more with a lot of that other, because it's really like, you know, Twenty percent really get to do a lot of stuff, and the others are just kind of toiling away, whether in the performance center or toiling away on, on on meaningless, you know, undercards and stuff like that. So I think that's the big issue. It's not necessarily the raw number of people; it's it's the use of them. So I I, I tend to agree. But we'll... I mean,
1: look, look, just something we talked about a little earlier. I mean, they have Akira Tozawa, Grand Metalik, and yeah. Prince Mustafa Ali on their roster, and it's not look they could utilize them if they wanted to. They just don't. So it's it's like it's not like they don't have the hours. They have 205 Live every week and they just – they put Davari on TV instead. So it's, it's just – yeah, maybe they just don't – they don't know how to utilize the people they have. I don't necessarily think that, that it would be impossible to do so though if they had their shit together.
0: All right, Evan Deadly Sins, who does a great job. Uh, I think he's the moderator of the, uh, the New Japan Reddit, uh, and he, he's a big fan of our site and has definitely helped us out with a plenty of things as well. But he asks, what do you think has been the biggest overarching story of the wrestling business in 2016? It's a two-part so two-part questions. We'll start with that one. Uh, biggest overarching story of the wrestling business in 2016, Joe?
1: I think that the changing landscape, which started with WWE on January 4th, um, quote-unquote, raiding New Japan... And has ended with by the end of the year, as we're starting to see promotions band together. I, you know, I made I made a tweet that you know the, the territories are back. They're just they're not geographic anymore. They're digital. And as we see, Flow Slam gather up uh, their family of promotions, and we see WWE, uh, you know, considering adding independent promotions to their lineup. And 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 we've been tipped off that there's a couple coming announcements coming in that regard and um new japan you know kidani throwing words uh declaring wwe the enemy and basically declaring war um i think the overarching story of 2016 has been the changing landscape and 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 the idea that um anything could happen in 2016 we saw a lot of crazy things in terms of of talent working multiple promotions that would have never happened in the past and WWE forging relationships with people flow slam drawing their line. And now, you know, you're also going to see, uh, uh, what was the second part? What's going to happen in 2017? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. so let me transition into that. I think 2017 is you're going to stop seeing people. You're going to see people say, okay, we're done playing nice now. And you're going to see people pick sides, you know, flow, you know, the flow slam territory is going to be doing their thing. Uh, you i you could already see Flow Slam and ROH i mean they 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 they're already there's there's a budding sort of um, rivalry there because they're competing for the same talent at this point right because what people have to understand is it's not just WWN signing wrestlers now Flow Slam flow, you know, flow is offering contracts to wrestlers okay to to work the Flow family of promotions Okay, that's like a giant territory now, uh, you know. And 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 the the wrestlers that Flo is attempting to sign are wrestler are are the ROH sort of level wrestlers that are currently in ROH. So you're going to see um, struggles over wrestling. You know, I think Flo and ROH are, are natural rivals at this point um, because they're at you know similar levels. And and you know, Kadani wants to go after. He's declaring. I I don't think it's the smartest thing to do, but he's talking shit about WWE and declaring them the enemy and and, and, and claiming they have weaknesses that he wants to exploit and everything else. I think the man is out of his mind. I don't think that's a bear you want to poke. Um, so I think 2016 was everybody's playing nice and we're seeing all these great things happen for fans where in 2017, I think you're going to see sort of wrestling revert back to being a little more cutthroat, a little more choosing sides, uh, people picking their enemies and picking their friends and, and, and picking their allies and, and, and having defined enemy, and I think it's going to get a little dirtier in 2017, whereas in 2016, everybody was playing nice and getting along.
0: Yeah, and I think one of the big things with 2016 as well is just that the idea of a wrestler being tied to, it was really, it's just a fascinating thing, and I guess it kind of plays into your thing, is the wrestlers seem to have all the power that this year. You know what I mean? Like a wrestler, a Chris Hero could get booked wherever he wanted – do whatever he wanted to do, and, and like could make a decent amount of living doing it. Could you know it made sense to do that? You know, once he kind of falls, and once those dominoes sort of fall, and these people get aligned with different companies, that's over now. That that's going to kind of go away. And I think just as you said, the borders being you know knocked down for an entire year, where you had the cruiserweight classic, where WWE WWE of all companies said, "Yeah, we'll have a bunch of guys in our tournament that aren't signed to our you know our promotion. Whatever. Yeah, Zack Saber, come on. You know, if you want to sign, you can sign later, but let's let's do this tournament first. Like that's just unheard of." in WWE to have something like that where, where, where those guys were in there and given featured, you know, given videos and given polish and all that sort of stuff when they weren't signed. You know, guys were winning and they were in the semifinals of the tournaments or whatever and weren't signed to the company and, and then they were gone and then that, like, that is unheard of. You know, a, a Johnny Gargano being, you know, able to do all of his indie bookings, you know, do uh, almost six months of indie bookings and then work NXT at the same time. Like, that's unheard of. And and like you said, I think that's just not going to happen this next year. And and we've seen it already. I mean, we're not even in 2017 already. And you can already see these lines being drawn, these lines in the sand. And and, and Dave put it in the Observer this week as well is like a lot of contracts are due up. And that's not just WWE guys. And that's just and, and again, like it's not just WWE snatching guys up, which is a definite real thing that's that's possible as well. But more or less, what these other guys are going to do, there's a lot of Ring of Honor contracts that are due up. Drew Galloway's due up. Like, there's a lot of big guys out there that, yeah, you look at a Chris Hero who may be going to WWE, and then that's kind of, you eliminate him. But there's a bunch of new guys ready to kind of either step into that role where they're just working everywhere, or there's new guys that could really shift you know, towards our or shift the power towards a flow or shift the power towards UK, or it, there's just so many different things you can do, but it's the, the idea that you're going to be able to work progress and then, you know, exactly. jump into WWE every so often, and then you're going to do Ring of Honor or two. Like yes. we saw with Will Ospreay and Marty scroll and these sort of guys and, and, and even doing Lex, you know, Pete Dunn or whatever, we're able to just kind of do whatever the fuck they wanted in the entire year. Chris Hero works, whatever he wanted. He said, I'm working your promotion. They went, okay, fine. Yeah, that works. That's going to be done. Guys are going to have some exclusivity. It's not necessarily going to be with one promotion, but like you said, a territory of promotions. A, we need a new term or whatever, but a a a a group, a uh, whatever you want a consortium they're, they're, they're of promotions, digital, or whatever. Like, like, digital
1: territories. I mean,
0: yeah, it's it's going to be that. They, like you're going to work for Flow, and then you're going to be able to work WXW and you know WWN Live or whatever, but you're not going to be able to work Progress. Like that's over. Right. Like, and
1: what's going to happen is it's going to get cutthroat, and it's starting to happen where if you sign with ROH, you can't appear on flow, on any Flow property. Right. If you sign with Flow, you know you can't appear, uh, you know, on ROH on an ROH show. And what that's going to do is it, it's it's going to limit places like Flow. From you know, it's going to hurt the promotions that they can sign because if you're an independent promotion that just uses independent wrestlers, you have to make a choice. Well, if I sign with Flow, I can't book A, B, and C anymore because these guys aren't allowed to to appear on Flow because they're ROH wrestlers and contractually they can't or they they are progress wrestlers and progress has an affiliation with uh, a, a certain other <laughs> uh, digital entity and now they're not allowed to appe- you know what i mean it's like those are the sorts of things we're going to start seeing any wrestler with a modicum of name value in 2017 is going to be pressured to have their name on somebody's contract and those right. contracts are going to have some level of exclusivity to them whereas in 2016 this free flowing everybody's work everywhere
0: yeah, they held the cards they, they were able to do whatever they wanted to do and, and really let the promotions sort of say, hey, look, we got this guy on our card now. It, it, that's over, too. And I think one of the other things, too, of uh, the big story, and, and I think it, it it kicked off at WrestleMania weekend, I don't think it ended the entire year, is that European wrestling, one way or another, whether it's, and, and we've seen it even with these past few months, it's not just the UK, it's not just England, it's Germany, it's Ireland, too, emerging those are real players now. Like, yes. this is, like, we talk about them, like, America. You got to say America, Japan, and Europe. You can't just, like, you, that is not a thing anymore where you can just ignore that that whole region is just killing. Like, they are, they're, really, their explosion is causing what we're saying is going to lead into 2017. Because people want to sink their teeth into that and go, okay, we need to get involved. We need to get this. Because there's great wrestlers coming out of here. And it's a wide open yeah, market. Right WWE just, we WWE sink our teeth WWE in there. just yeah.
1: signed 16 of them.
0: Right. Exactly. So like, there you this go. This is what
1: we're talking about. It's 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 we're good. 2017 is going to be back to business, back to the old wrestling business that you knew in 2015, where it was cutthroat and competitive and 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 people are out for their own. You know, and yes, these European promotions are players when you have ICW filling up major arenas once or twice a year and you have WXW doing great things. And and like you said, it's not just even the UK, it's Ireland and Germany and and, and other places in Europe as well. And look, Rich, we called that a year and a half ago. We told everybody, watch out for Europe. Europe's the next scene, man. That's exactly how it played out. And, and, and it happened a little faster than we thought it would, but th- you're absolutely right. These are major players, and these are also going to be major pawns in this game that we're talking about. We've already seen it start to play out where Flo cut these deals with uh, – with, who was it? OTT and uh, – who was the other one? Um, WXW. Is that what it was? Okay, yeah, 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 and, yeah. And, it, and it's sort of like they—they're they, they're sort of dipping their toes. Those companies are dipping their toes with Flow, which I think is smart. You know, they—I think they both signed deals just to air a couple of tape shows. They haven't committed to anything long term, because why the fuck would you, when you have WWE creeping around the corner, potentially bringing people on? Leave yourself out there. Put yourself in a bidding war. Uh, allow yourself to be uh, a commodity. Okay. Uh, so, so there's a lot of things that are going to shake out and it's, it's going to get more cutthroat in 2017. I don't think, um, it's, it's 2016 sort of was a shock to everybody's system, including the promotions themselves. And, uh, 2017, I think you're, you're going to see a stark change and it's going to get very, very competitive.
0: All right, Drys Barons asks, uh, how come Young Lions and other very young talent in Japanese uh, developmental DNA, for example, are considerably better than anything that comes out of the WWE Performance Center? All the young talent in the 10-man Dragon Gate uh, is another example uh, as well. So this is Drys Barons. I believe he is a new poster to the forum. This was his first post, so welcome. I hope you enjoy the uh, the forums, voiceofrestling.com slash forums as well if you want to join him and, and all these others. But uh, yeah, what do you think? Uh, why do Young Lions and other very young talent in Japan uh, seem to be considerably better uh, when they're done Versus people from the performance center.
1: I think the first question you have to ask is, do you agree with that premise? Do you think that Japanese young lions in general are better than what the performance center produces? Now you have to remember a lot of the people that come out of the performance center have indie experience and were trained elsewhere. Um, So the fairest comparison would be people who were plucked off of the street and signed by WWE and, and trained exclusively in the performance center versus the Japanese uh, sort of um, you know uh, young wrestlers that you see in all the various promotions where Japan is just loaded right now with great young wrestlers and, yeah. and great rookies. And I think there's no question that the Japanese dojo systems do a much better job than WWE does in terms of plucking people off the street and training them from, from ground zero. Uh, the problem where it gets muddled is a lot of the uh, performance center – the Performance Center sort of molds your, your indie guy. Like, look at a tag team like The Revival, right? I mean, those were indie guys. They weren't high-profile indie guys, but they were trained elsewhere, and they cut their teeth on the indies. Same for someone like a Tyler Breeze, right? Same for uh, 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 like a Bailey, another, a Sasha Banks. I mean, these are people who were trained elsewhere, cut their teeth in the indies, even if they weren't giant indie names. And then sort of the, the Performance Center sort of finishes them off. Um, and, 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 and is the next step in their progression. Whereas in the dojos, these guys are all, all off the street. These are all guys that come in you know, uh, with no prior experience, and they're trained from the ground up. So I do think – first you have to answer that question. Yes, I do think the Japanese dojo system does a better job of training people off of the street, so to speak. Uh, so once you establish that you agree with the premise, then you can answer the question, why do you think they do a better job? And my personal belief is that the, the performance center has too many people in it. I think a hundred people or whatever it is in the performance center, you're not getting. It's like anything else in education, right? What's the big thing that people look for in education? Small class sizes, right? Yeah, classroom size. Individual yeah. attention, things of that nature. Performance center is loaded with you know, you got you got your goofy rookie ring with people wearing wearing you know uh, helmets and in a padded ring, and then you've got your your different classes, and you got a million people running around. You don't have enough trainers for all the. Rest. It's just to me, it's just. Whereas the dojo? Like how many people are in the New Japan dojo right now? What, a half dozen? Right? And they're all just in there working and uh every day with each other with your Yuji Nagatas with your Kushidas with whoever's in. same thing Dragon Gate they're in there with your your your, your Super Shisa primarily but then you're rotating you know uh, they they have all their guys come through and uh, and take turns working uh, with those kids and and uh, whatever the case may be at sushi ayoki trains people uh, uh, for for all Japan or whatever and you can go right down the line. But there's never more than, you know, there's maybe four or five half a dozen guys in these They're getting individualized personal attention and and they're getting more ring time and and I think that has a lot to do with it. And and yeah. I think Lance Hoyt made a great point on Twitter a few weeks ago when we were talking about this. And he said, look, these guys eat, live, sleep. They just – they are wrestling when they're in this new – he was speaking of the New Japan Dojo. Say, look, these guys live together in the place, OK? And they just – they're just always watching tape and working and wrestling and standing at ringside for the entire show and watching all of the veterans work. It's just – they eat, sleep, live, and breathe wrestling. And it's just culturally – it's – different here. I mean, you know, you go to the performance center for your you put in your eight hours and if you don't have a show or you're you're not on the Florida loop or if you're not on the big tour, you go home and you live your life. And I'm not even knocking that. I mean I think that's healthier, to be completely honest. But uh in terms of producing better wrestlers, I mean the Dojo system, I mean it it just works better. And and they're not here's the other thing too, Rich. They're not as focused on look, WWE You've, they've got to focus on promos and presentation and ring walks and things like that. That dojo boys don't have to worry about. All they have to worry about is getting good at wrestling.
0: Yeah, get better. Yeah.
1: Wear your black tights. Get good at wrestling. And like, look at Dragon Gate. We'll worry about your character later. You know, look at New Japan. We'll worry about your character after we send you away on excursion. Right now, just learn how to do this art. Learn how to wrestle. Where in WWE, it's more scattered. Okay. You got promo class on Tuesday. Then you got oh my god! I got to figure out a character for myself. Oh, I got to figure out a ring entrance. Oh, I got to see what what CFO comes up for me with my music and then match that to my. They have all these other things that they're worried about got on it. the peripheral. So it's not just about the ring work. So then when you have a a a Braun Strowman or a Carmella come up to the main roster, and I'm trying to think of people who came off the street. Okay,
0: Dana Brooke. Dana you're, you're Dana
1: home. Brooks. They're great at the character stuff, right? I think everyone would agree that Carmella is pretty good at the character work. Braun Strowman conveys his character very well. But they're lacking in the ring. I mean, you compare them to what's coming through the Japanese dojos, it's not even close. I mean, Carmella, Braun Strowman, these people, Dana Brooke, they're terrible wrestlers. You know, they wouldn't even put them in a ring in Japan. But they've... they're they're a little further along with the stuff because the, the performance center is just it's not 100 wrestling these dojos it's 100 percent learn how to wrestle
0: yeah i think that you really hit it nail on the head there uh and i kind of 100 agree with that i think it's just it, it, it's the in-ring work as well i mean you look at at a guy you know we're going through the, the ebook right now and i'm doing these these stat numbers for for these young lions and it's just like God damn, these guys work so much too. Like, like Jay White. I think you know. Even this year alone, the guy was. How, how long was he in the the, the company? I mean, he, he, a blip on this radar. If I, Jay White doesn't even seem like a memory. He he wrestled eighty five times this in year. In
1: Japan, is what you're saying?
0: Yeah, yeah, Before yeah. Before yeah. he let me, left, let me, he had
1: eighty five. Is that uh, true? Uh, let me let me make
0: sure it was eighty five. I don't know if it's eighty five. It was quite a lot though. Let me let me see if it's... I got it up too. Um, see. yeah, it's not uh, it's not eighty five. Let me see what it was here real quick 50, give me give me one minute matches. okay 57 there you go cool yeah i'm glad you fired up so there you go 85 in total but yeah that's and then he was barely there you know what i mean like he was not a, a, a and, and that, he's just in the ring all the time they give you a you know your, your set amount of time you open the and i think the other that's, part too that's that, that really rich.
1: that's 57 matches on shows how many matches did he have in that dojo
0: Exactly, right, and that's just what we've, you know, was available on uh, either house shows or events or whatever, so that, that, that speaks volumes there, and I think another really cool thing as well that they do, it and, and they all do this as, as well, is that they're not self-contained to their own little territory, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, they'll, have, they'll go back to their dojo and do their little things there, but they're there watching the guys, they're in the, you know, the locker rooms or whatever, they're ringside, they're helping the guys, they're always soaking in that information, it's just always a, you know, you go out there, you work your little match, like you said, you don't worry about your entrance. Hanare is not saying, okay, well, h- how do I look at the camera during my entrance? No, he walks down to the ring, gets in, raises his hand, and then the match is on. And then it's like, yeah, we don't give a shit about any of the other stuff. Worry about the match. Get better or whatever. So you don't worry about that stuff. You, you stay on a central focus. You're focused on getting better in the ring. And then the fact is you're done with your little match. Then you're back there. You, you're You're soaking in all that other knowledge the rest of the day. You're there with your other young lions, as you're saying. You're always with those guys. Those you're you're your, your, your five or six guys, and you're you're always together. You're you're just inseparable or whatever. And then you got to sit there and you got to watch the other matches too. You have to watch what the main eventers are doing. You have to see how the crowd reacts to the main eventers or stuff. That just speaks volumes to it as well. It's just that is 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 you, you can't you, you can't teach that. You're not going to learn that from a. You're not going to learn that connection that a wrestler has to a crowd. You're not going to learn the little things. You don't get the little things by sitting in the performance center and having somebody tell you about the little things. You know what I mean? Yeah. you got to witness them. and Sometimes it has click in your head and go, okay. And you got to stack it and store it in your memory and go, "That okay, that was a nice little trick that Naito used there. I, I'm going to, okay, that's a cool thing. I can do that. or I can, That's something I can sort of work on. Next time you go out there, you kind of work on it a little bit. And you see it, too. And, and I think the progression is another thing, too, that we, we really talk about. Where with NXT, you, know, you, you get sort of the same progression, but the, 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 the Young Lion thing, especially in New Japan, is, is great for that, where those guys come in there and they do nothing. They do Boston Crabs and basic sort of things. And then little by little, you see it, you know, okay, now you can do this. Now you can do these sort of moves. Now you can do this sort of thing. Where, again, it's not like, a, okay, what's your finisher? You know, day two, what do you think of your finisher is going to be? They don't know. They don't care. They're not allowed of finisher. They got Boston Crab. They're just learning how to make a connection to the crowd first and foremost. Then you worry about adding a few different moves. Then you worry about, you know, your hair and your look and, and maybe your charisma a little bit. But that it, it, it's little by little. It's, it, it, it's progression Whereas the performance center isn't necessarily that. The performance center wants to make a star out of you the minute you walk in that door. Right. And and, And what are we gonna do to make you a star? How are you gonna be a star? And that
1: may be why the performance center is underperforming. Maybe they need to go back to just, you know, basics. Learn the basics first. Like like you said, these young lions you know, they debut and it's just the very bare bone basics. Then it's, they're allowed to show a little bit of fire. Then it's allowed to, they're allowed to, uh, you know, expand their, you know, their move set a little bit. Then they're allowed to, you know, start uh, finishing guys with things other than, look, we also, a lot of people listening to this are, are, you know, are, are Okada slash Ustream era, new Japan fans. Right. And it's like, they saw, um, Tanaka and Komatsu grow up before their eyes because that was the young lion class. And you saw their progression that you just talked about, that I just described. As, as you know, they, they slowly progressed and were able to add more, more elements. It's the basics first, and I'm not sure that that's happening in the performance center. I think the performance center, the big thing is safety, and there's absolutely a place for that. They're a publicly traded company. They've got concussion lawsuits. You know, uh, There's seemingly a new one every day. Their big thing is safety. Their big thing is safety – and star presentation over the basics and that's why you're seeing poor workers coming out of the the performance center and somehow getting up to the main roster i mean there's a lot of politics involved on why some of these people are on the main roster but you you know in reality someone with the skill set of a carmella has no business on the main roster yet she shouldn't be improving on the main roster she should have go be going through all of those improvements in developmental that's the point of developmental to develop but you know and it's it's Look, I do think the PC does a decent job taking previously trained wrestlers and refining them. Uh, those – you know, but who's the big success story of a street person? Is it Charlotte? Is it Rusev? Those are the two, right?
0: Yeah, I'd say Rusev. Um, yeah, Rusev and Charlotte, I, I would say. And
1: Charlotte went through a lot of growing – there's still people who don't think Charlotte's a good worker. Yeah. I, I mean I think she's good, but there's still people who don't think she is.
0: Yeah, I think Rusev is pretty much the universal of, okay, that guy's pretty great. And and... And,
1: and, and 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 as someone who you can give 100% credit to the company, Yeah, I think he had maybe one or two indie matches or something. I mean, I'm not going to nitpick on one or two. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to play gotcha here. I think that he's a guy where you can give the company 100% credit. I'm sorry. I'm not giving them credit for the revival. Okay? Those guys were indie wrestlers for years, and, and, and they had decent reputations too. They may not have been big indie names, but they had decent reputation. I can't give them credit for the revival. You know what I mean? They may have refined their work there, but uh, you know they didn't. They didn't, They didn't. They didn't make those guys into what they are. It, it's so. I mean, yeah. It'd probably be Rusev and Charlotte. We might be forgetting uh, one or two. But uh, look, look, look at another. Look at like Enzo. You know what I mean? I mean that's what's coming out of there. And That's a perfect example of a guy who's got everything else, but he doesn't have the basics. The guy
0: right to the point where they're like, yeah, you know, you're a manager now. <laughs> that
1: can't I mean, that's right. what they're pumping out of there. And I do think that's that's a problem, and I do think that they maybe should borrow from the Japanese playbook a bit.
0: But you know,
1: it, it's maybe they—it's crazy. We always say this. I think they need developmental for their developmental. It's 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 insane. Yeah,
0: they need a subdevelopmental now. Yeah, NXT and that speaks to X a, little, a little poor yeah, right.
1: job that they're doing at the Performance Center.
0: Yeah, and I think there's a the potential to do it, but I think, like we said, I think there's just way too much being thrown at these guys right away. Um, and, and yeah, you, you know, we, we, we it's just like, you know, you, you're not focusing on one sort of thing. You're focusing on, on what it takes to be a WWE superstar and not necessarily what it takes to be a wrestler. And then you get guys like an Enzo Amore, which is, yeah. Okay. Like he's entertaining as hell, but he can't work. And to the point where they don't really want him in the ring anymore. And that, that, that is not good. Like, that's bad. I guess, <laughs> you know what? Uh, I
1: guess Roman Reigns too, right? Would that be another one for them? But but the yeah. but the thing about Roman Reigns is he wasn't good. He came up too early too. It's like again, he learned on the main roster. You see what I'm saying? Like he didn't come out of there like this this finished product.
0: Well, and I was going to bring that up as something that I kind of struggle with as far as comparing, you know, the NXT performance versus the Young Lion performance. Because you brought up Yohei Kamatsu and Tanaka We haven't even seen them all the way through yet. You know what I mean? Like, we've seen generations of NXT talent come through and graduate and new ones come in and all.